Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, everybody. It is Thursday, June 24th. We took a week off last week. Figured we'd let the series kind of breathe a little bit and get ourselves a couple of winners, a couple of games in here, and see what happens. And sure enough, it's uh, been teed up for us nicely here. Islanders winning last night, forcing the game seven at home at the Coliseum. Beers on the ice and everything, well, whatever way you want to look at that. But, you know, they got a chance now, the one game away and the Bolts as well, to uh, go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, great run here by the Islanders and a great series here. Been difficult up and down with the Bolts. And uh, everybody loves a game seven, and we got one. As far as Montreal and Vegas are concerned, Montreal has a chance tonight to light up that great city and that fan base and punch their ticket to the dance for the first time since 1993. As always, I'll be hanging out here with my line mates, Joe Yarden in Buffalo, Ted Bamford out in Chicago, Costa Papalias up in Montreal, and last but not least, but always, Steve Palumbo out in L.A. in the great state of California. So once again, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, appreciate the support all season long as we get a little closer uh, to the big show. The Stanley Cup Finals are just a game or two away depending on what Vegas can uh, put up against the Habs tonight and force their own Game 7 uh, to stay alive. Uh, I guess that'll go to the weekend Saturday or so. Either way, the Islanders and the Bolts will wrap up their series one way or the other on Friday night, and one of those two great teams are going to be going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's been so much fun. It's been frustrating. Uh, Obviously, the officiating has been very tough, not only uh, in these two series, but... Uh, from from the from the get go, from the beginning of the playoffs, uh, as far as uh, all the series have been concerned, it's an unfortunate uh, part of it, uh, making the headlines. But it is what it is. We've talked extensively on this program about how the game has changed, uh, how it's policed, how it's not policed. Uh, you know what gets called, what doesn't get called. Uh, there's no doubt it's changed the you know the way you look at the game, you watch the game, the outcomes of the game. That's the worst part of it. You know, and but you know, what are we going to do here as fans? You know, the end at the end, you know, the end the end of the day, the the seconds tick off the clock, and and you get a winner, and you know, your teams either have to finish or not finish, and that's what it all comes down to. Back and forth, it's going to go that way as far as getting calls, not getting calls, and this is what you have, and this is where we are, and it's nothing new in the NHL. So as frustrating as it might be, and I'm going to get into that with the guys here a little bit today. We'll talk about the officiating. We'll talk about the gameplay. We'll talk about uh, these four teams, where they are, all the different situations that they're at right now. Obviously, big game here for the Knights to stay alive. Just uh, just an incredible run by the Montreal Canadiens to get to this point. You know, even for, for argument's sake, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see it happen. But if Vegas was to win tonight, send it back to Vegas with that crowd and that building, they, they could pull it off. And you could turn and say, hey, look, this was an incredible run by the Canadiens. But I don't think the fans in Montreal could settle for that. I don't know if hockey fans could settle for that. Not with this story. Not with this franchise. Not with this fan base. Not with this team. 
everything that's going on for them. And, and they are they are 60 minutes of just play 100% hockey in your own building with all those ghosts in the building, all those legends, the history. Just go for it. They're a fun, happy-go-lucky team, young squad. You know, Perry's been playing great. Stalsy contributing the other night. Carey Price has been incredible. Shea Weber, just up and down this line, uh, lineup has just been great. You know, Deshaun coming in, and now he's been out. Richardson behind the bench. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write this. It will be a movie one day. It's definitely, it's definitely, especially if they get into the finals here. And if they would have won the Stanley Cup, it's just nuts. And it'd be huge not only for Montreal and the fans' base, but also for Canada. Uh there hasn't been a Canadian team hoist the trophy over its head since 1993, and the last team to do that was the Montreal Canadiens. So it's going to be something else. On the other side here, the Islanders in Tampa Bay, it's just been an unbelievable season. You, you figured the last nail in the coffin was there the other night with the 8th nothing blowout. Um, but a lot of guys uh, who've watched this game for a long time, social media guys, have said it, and, and they're right. You know, whether you lose 8 nothing or one nothing the other night, it was only Game 5, and there was still a Game 6 to play. And the Islanders made it happen. Yeah, Kucherov got taken out early in the game, and it's a huge factor for for the Bolts. But they went up two nothing. You have the, as far as I'm concerned, the best goaltender in the world in the pipes. And you figured, um, you know, they were going to ride this out and take this home and, and finish it. And you, you would have thought that they had to do it last night, but they came up short. And you know, mistakes happen. And sure enough, in overtime, you couldn't even sit down. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why all the beers were thrown on the ice. Uh, last night because they were all settling in for a long overtime. It was over, so can't drink them, so throw them out there. Who knows? Uh, everybody can take that with a grain of salt one way or the other. How you look at, uh, I don't know what the fans were thinking. I just don't understand it, but it is what it is. That's the Islander fan base, and, uh, you know, you can either uh, laugh it off, blah, 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 or I don't know. Personally, I think it was unnecessary, but like I said, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter right now. The Islanders get to play a game seven with a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. It would be huge for not only that franchise, but the fan base out here for Long Island. You guys know I broadcast from here, even though I'm a New York Rangers fan. Um, yeah, I'll be pulling for the Bolts, no doubt. But, hey, look, if the Islanders get there, you know, it, it'll be something else for, for this area. And, and full marks to Lou Lamorello, Barry Trotz, uh, Ledecky, the ownership, New building here. They've turned the whole franchise around. So full marks. If they get there, they'll deserve it. Officiating, non-officiating. It all depends on how you guys um, look at it and you take it uh, um, the way you guys want it. But, look, I'm going to keep this short, and we're going to bring the guys on right now and and just have a good time here. And, again, thanks to everybody for listening, tuning in, following us. Keep it going at THS Radio. Uh, dot com and uh, at that hockey show on social media. So we, uh, we we can't thank you guys enough, and we'll look forward to keep this going until uh, the cup is eventually hoisted over um, one of these one of these captains' he- heads in, in one of these cities. It's going to be unbelievable one way or the other. So the story is still unfinished, and the ending is on its way, and we're here to talk about it. We can't thank you guys enough for, for tuning in here uh, at THS as well. But enough of me. It's time to bring on my line mates and start, as always, in the face-off circle. The great Joe Yarden from the beautiful, bustling city. Buffalo, New York. My neighbor to the north of Long Island down here. Hey, buddy, give me a second, Joe. I got to sweep these beer cans out of my driveway. Now <laughs> the fans throwing them all over the place, all over the island. That's the first question to you, buddy. What the hell was that all about? You know, 
people are shaming the fans for doing that, but I, I don't care. Have fun. Like what? Have have uh, like that that could have been the last game. That could have been the last game that they have there. And you throw uh, beer cans on the ice? It you know would Home you ever of the dynasty? Sure. Why not? Why not? You know, I mean, listen. I'm surprised. Better than th- better than throwing like, you know, hot dog wrappers on the ice or, you know, or, you know, grandma's walker or, you know, grandpa's cane <laughs> on the ice or something. You know, it's listen, I I, you know, I get it. I, I, I totally you do, get it. Because like, I don't. Good. I'm going to listen. Explain this to me. <laughs> I can't wait no. to hear this. No, because like because I look at it this way. You know, they're, they're sending them off into the unknown of a game seven. You know, like they're, they're excited. You know, that was a that was a crazy finish to that game that, you know, everybody's happy. They're, they're, they're blowing their stack. They're, they're loving it. They're loving it. You know, Island should be loving it. Game seven. Like you get a you're a game away from the, the cup final. So like, you got to send them off to Tampa somehow, right? Like you can, I mean, you can just cheer them <laughs> off and just do whatever, or you could just be like, "Screw it!" What's wrong with you? Throw the beer out of the ice. Throw it, you're throwing them a kegger, man. Like that's what it is. Let loose. Like what? I mean, it's not like it's Philly and they're throwing batteries at people. You know, it's like it's it's beer cans. Who cares? Who cares? So are they, like, they going to do that over the new arena now after every after every victory now and the Isles oh, win? No, Throw no, your beer no. can on the ice. Live you a little, Paulie. Like, yeah, I know. No, see, I I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't have a big issue with it. I got I got bigger problems with what, what happened in the game. All right, well, let's I get into what happened game. after the game. Like, that's, you know, consider what happened in the game. Right, you know. Hold on. I'm reaching. Hold on. Just stay where you are. I'm going to. Go on my stoop here. I got a tall boy. I'm going to throw it up towards you. Right? <laughs> Hopefully it lands in your lawn. See how you feel, pal. <laughs> well, no, it's like this. It's like the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. No, you know? it's like, not. It's, it's totally not. That. Uh, all right. We'll leave that discussion for another day. I mean, geez, there's people who could have used those cans for redemption, you know. No, they can still get them. They're just, uh, they're just on the ice now instead of in the, in the Come stands. Come down to the Coliseum. And pick up some aluminum <laughs> beer cans if you need a few extra pennies for your, for your jaw there. All right, so here we are. Uh, Isles, Bolts, Game 7, tied at 3 to go to the dance. We'll uh, get your thoughts here on the Habs uh, looking to punch their card in later on this evening against those Vegas Golden Knights. But, yeah, man, um, this has been um, some kind of series. So 8 nothing the other night, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you could – as the old hockey adage goes, and a bunch of people pointed out on online, doesn't matter eight nothing, one nothing, you lose. You still had game six to play and and to win, and uh, the Islanders pull it off. Uh, you know, there's all different kinds of takes you can go with this. The officiating, uh, you know, is always a big staple here, not only in this series but in both series. It's been just mm-hmm. I don't know special. I guess I, that's all you could say, right, Joe? It's just been special. So I hand Spe- it to you, brother. Special's you, a word you, for that. The reason we're doing this because you're here. We don't need to hear me anymore. Take us into the Joe Yurden summary overview of this Icelanders Bolt series to date. Well, I I tell you what this this series is is fascinating and it's reminded me a lot of the Bruins series, uh, the the Islanders Bruins series. I think it was Islanders Bruins. It was how how long ago was that? Am I, am I losing my mind? <laughs> but but no, it's it's reminded me of a lot of the stuff that happened in that series where yeah, I know it was Islanders Bruins where where Brandon Carlo gets elbowed in the face by Kyle Palmieri 
And they're just like, hmm, didn't, you know, I don't see what the problem here is. And then he doesn't get, you know, doesn't, no actions taken. They're just like, yeah, well, you know, it happens. You know, here's a guy with a huge concussion history. He gets elbowed square in the mug. He's done for the, you know, done for the series. And it's just like, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't get the big deal. And then yesterday, two minute, two minutes into the game, Kucherov gets cross-checked, like right in the arm. That was assault. If that was on the street. Yeah. Um, 100%. He'd probably be in an ambulance. <laughs> right. And the other guy would be uh, on his way to uh, the, I don't know, fourth precinct. Right. So, and he does it right, like, does it right in front of the, re- the referee. Like, standing right next to him. Just, black got him right in front of the ref. Well, what he needed to do, Joe, was to actually pull the referee by his jersey, his sweater. Bring him <laughs> over to the corner and said, look, I'm going to cross-check the crap out of Kucherov right now. All right? Just, Just want to get a heads up. All right? <laughs> Just so like, it's a whole thing like, hey, 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 pal, you didn't see nothing. You didn't see nothing here. Okay? Exactly. So, These, are not the droids. These are not the droids you're looking for. This is not the cross check <laughs> you need to call. So so they knock but like they knock him out for the game. There's not a penalty on the play. I don't even think the guy's going to get suspended because the referee because, you know, Cooper, Cooper and the guys after the game say the referee told they didn't see any malice in the hit. So, A, you saw the hit and didn't make a call. B, the guy's out for the game. And then people were just like, boy, this, this Tampa power play looks terrible tonight. I don't get what the big deal is. I do. <laughs> I know what the big problem is. The, the leading scorer in the playoffs and the MVP from a year ago, a year or two ago, is out for the game. Like, I mean, everybody's just kind of like, I don't, I don't understand how this happened. What's the big deal? Jeez, like get it on, get your head on straight here. Like, like this is like this is the kind of insane stuff where people are just like, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand. I, well, this team's better than that. Like, well, yeah, but like one of the top players of the game got knocked out of the game with not even, not even a whistle, not anything. And what happens with Scott Mayfield? He scores the tying goal, an unbelievable goal. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know, Vasilevsky's down a position. He roofs it on him. Beautiful. Like, that's beautiful. And then he sets up the he sets up the winner in overtime. What problem a quirky is, dink, huh? Right. Like, problem is, he shouldn't have been on the ice anymore. Like, <laughs> you injured the guy. You knocked him out of the game. Like, you know, and, like, the, the cross-checking thing has been a problem for how many years now where everybody's just screaming bloody murder every time. Like, how do you let this stuff go? How does this, how is this okay? How does this happen? And now it's like, it's like all, you know, all the chickens are coming home to roost on this stuff because guys are continuing to do it. They're continuing to get away with it. And now it's turned a game of the series. Tampa probably co- comes away with a spot in the final with Mayfield out of the game. Like, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe some, maybe some other defenseman steps up and does all that, you know, in the game without him in there. But man, oh man, like, like, what do you do? Like, well, where do you and, go, and like, Joe? I mean, where do you back up to Barzell, you know, in, in the game the other night, you know, and he just gets the five grand suspension. I mean, you know, yeah. you can go back. Look, um, it's I'm going to say this. Me and you, like I said, we've been watching this game since we were kids. And, you know, I'm going to be 52. And um, it's unfortunate. Uh, and we've talked about this all season long, me, me, you and the rest of the guys here, how the, the game has changed so much. And and we expect this in the playoffs. Hmm. You know, I go back to the Tom Tom Wilson incident with Panarin, too. I said, hey, look, this is nothing. I say, wait till the playoffs start and wait till all the cross-checks, the assault that happens in the the playoffs is going to be let go. 
And, and sure enough, it's happening. Now, the thing is, like I said, I think you bring up a key point here. The, the key player, it changes the series, you know. Um, and I'm not one to really hop on, you know, blaming the officials for the outcome of the game. You still got to, you know, Tampa gets a power play. The Islanders, you know, you got to you gotta score. You got to finish your chances. You got to play a different way. Losing Kucherov, no doubt, it changes uh, Cooper's entire game plan. Uh, but still a point in there, Sorelli in there. The couple of guys there, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And in that building, I, I, you know, my, uh, my thoughts on this series was Tampa losing that first game at home. To mm-hmm. me, because of the power of the Coliseum, you know, to me, that was, that was the way Tampa was going to lose this series if they didn't win all their home games. Mm-hmm. And they lost that first one. And now, obviously, they have to win, you know, uh, the, the next one here. But all this stuff that's going on in between, and it's not only happening in this series, it's also yeah. happened in, in, in the Canadian series, too, with the Knights. And, it's, and this has been ongoing. I guess, unfortunately, Joe, the unfortunate thing here is that in all these series, the first couple of rounds leading to where we are, the officiating, unfortunately, has taken precedent here. It's, it's always mm-hmm. been a part of the headlines, and that, unfortunately, sucks. Yeah, and that's, you know, when that's leading the discussion, that's, I mean, you're, you're, something's really wrong in that case because people are, you know, even casual fans are watching this and going like, wow, how's that allowed? You know, why is that okay? Well, geez, that guy got hurt. They didn't do anything. Like, you know, what makes that okay? And people, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, well, you know, Tampa's got the whole game to, you know, get their heads on right and do this. Like, I, I, you know, hey, listen, uh, you can you can take that point of view. But if I'm watching, if I'm watching, you know, uh, like the NFC Championship or I'm watching the AFC Championship and somebody – Somebody grabs, you know, Pat Mahomes and gives him a pile driver on the turf, you know, while he's just, you know, you know, you know, a minute after he throws the pat, you know, throws a pass. And they, they're just like, well, I don't know. I don't see what happens. They knock him out for the game. It's tough to use the NFL as an example after that Saints Rams playoff well, pass. Yeah, Bears but, call, buddy. <laughs> Not yeah, call. <laughs> but I'm talking like sheer violence. I know. Like, I'm with you, man. Knocking a guy out for the game. Like knocking a guy out for the game. Yeah. And if they, you know, they just turn away, look away and go, I, I don't, uh, you know, we didn't see any malice in it. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, and it's, and it's twofold here too, because, you know, you go back to the Panarin incident too, as well. You go back to the Shifley incident in Winnipeg because the league has created this thing where there's no, so Kucherov gets hurt, right? So there's no, he's not protected by the officials who are supposed to protect the players. Let's, let's say that's part of it. Right. And now the, the NHL teams don't really have a roster spot for guys on their team to go protect their own players. So who do you send out? Like back in the old day, you had guys to go out. So the Islanders still have a guy like Martin on the team, right? Mm-hmm. He's hanging in there. And, you know, the Capitals are lucky because they have a guy like Wilson who can play both ways. He can play tough. But he's also a decent player. He can put the puck mm-hmm. in the net. You know, um, does Tampa have that player? The Rangers certainly didn't have that player in that situation, too. You know, and then the show that put that show that they put on the, the following game when they all had the line brawl and stuff—that's a freaking show, right? You know, and it's tough. It, they, got, they got face shields. It's 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 unfortunately it's it's crazy. Like I said, again at the end of the day, you know, I, and we talked about this a couple episodes. The NHL having a product problem here. You have some of the mm-hmm. best players in the league, McDavid, Matthews, uh, on and on, guys that are not in the show here. You've got uh, a Canadian team here that's uh, a lunch pail team, young kids, right? You've got mm-hmm. a Vegas Knights team that's maybe one or two stars, but a couple of older stars, Mark Andre Fleury at the end of his career, Laner and Nets. You know, Stone is their kind of message. You know, you got some of these guys that are on the team, but there's no really big stars on the island. Same thing. You got a you got a kind of a, a young crew that they develop within their network. There's no Tavares. I mean, what is Anders Lee? Even though the captain, he's out too. Is he your biggest star? Mm-hmm. I mean, the stars are on Tampa, right? 
um, and now they're getting taken out. Yeah, and you can't have that. Like you can't have that stuff in the NHL. And like, like there's such hockey's the you know listen, I'm biased, but hockey's the greatest game on the planet. The NHL is a horribly run sport, the horribly run league. Like you know, it's it's you know I don't know. There's some kind of weird stone age mentality for a lot of it where they're they're half in and half out where you're right that you know tampa doesn't have a guy to come out you know to to come out and play the part of the cop and say all right that's enough of that come here mr mayfield and i'm gonna drag your teeth across the, the dasher here and beat your face in like they don't you know there's not that but the nhl also says well we don't want that well okay but if you're not calling the penalties and you're not having any of that what do you think's gonna happen what's the logical progression that's that's what's going to happen as long as you know as long as fighting isn't outlawed you're going to have this kind of stuff happen but you know this is this is the way they do it it's always half measures with the nhl where they're just like well don't fight our officiating will take care of it well the officiating didn't take care of it well don't worry we'll take care of it if the officials don't i don't see scott mayfield getting suspended so what now you know like it's it's these kinds of things where they, they they very they passively say things are okay without saying it, and this is what like the cross check stuff is one of those things where they're just kind of like hey listen you know hey stuff happens it's fine you know and then when the you know when the referee's coming over to your bench saying like we didn't see any malice with that he might have broke his arm <laughs> he might have broke Kucherov's arm for crying out loud like so you know, I, you know it's this whole perception and it, it's a it's a brain poisoning from the top because this stuff is seen as okay like. They, you know, the last time the league had this kind of problem with officiating, it took a, it took a lockout of over a year for them to go in and decide, all right, we got to fix this. You know, when they let interference and all this stuff go, the obstruction, they, they're just like, yep, whatever, this is fine. No, it ain't fine. <laughs> Cross-checking ain't fine, you know, because that's the easiest way you can injure somebody by planting a stick in their body someplace. Like, you know, a guy hit, gets hit in the face, guy gets hit in the arm, taking him in the back. I mean, you know, you can wear a flak jacket or something to like, you know, Pat yourself you go. on the back, I mean, but even if, even if there was an enforcer on the team right now, hey, I'm going to take this guy out. It's, it's becoming a stick league. You know what I'm saying? Slashing, checking, yeah. uh, cross-checking, I should say, and everything else. But let's say you're even a guy, right? So, you know, even Perry that night, you know, in, uh, against Toronto and the accident mm. there with Tavares and stuff, and Felino's got hit. I mean, they're wearing face shields. All he's got to do is tuck into a ball. He's got his helmet with his face shield on. He's not really going to get hurt. Yeah. And if a guy's got to unload on you, that's bare knuckles on a face shield and a helmet. You can break I mean, it's, your hands. It's just so stupid. The whole yeah. damn thing is stupid. Go back to one referee because you don't need two of them. They're not calling anything. Right. And then let the guys fight. Let the guys control what's going on there. And believe me, the game will get better. I mean, this was the whole point of the, you know, you go back to the Mario Lemieux days and all that stuff in the mm-hmm. 90s because of the hooking and grabbing. And that's why they, they changed the, uh, you know, the calls and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just so petty. And like I said, it looks so bad when you let an abusive, assaulting cross-check go, mm-hmm. hits to the head, punches to the head, and we're all for the, the I don't, you know, the stuff in front of the net is part of the game. That's mm-hmm. it. The guys who sign up for it defensively and offensively, too, who stand in front of the net, they know they're going to get the abuse. But the stuff in the corners, the stuff away from the puck, you know, that's the stuff that's supposed to be called. And it's mm-hmm. not being called. And then, like I said, then these guys, there's nobody, nobody has to answer for it anymore because mm-hmm. those guys have been taken out of the league. Yeah. And, you know, but like that, that's where I'll, yeah, I'll very begrudgingly give a guy like Wilson a nod because 
He's a 20, 20 goal a season guy and also a total menace. <laughs> total menace to society on the ice where you know what he's capable of, but you don't know what day he's going to snap off, uh, what day he's going to decide to be, all right, I'm going to be a giant monster on the ice. You know, it's like well, like once every 10 games, he's he's going to, you know, he's going to turn into the Hulk and start smashing people. And then you got to be like, oh, boy, here we go. And, but the rest of the time, the the consummate power forward, you know, it's not even like one of these things where like, oh, you hate to play against him, but you want him on your team. No, everybody wants him on the team. It's just you got to know when to you got to know when to rein the Hulk in. You need the you need Black Widow there to tell him, all right, buddy, sun, sun's coming down. You got it like <laughs> you got you got to chill out like. But like now, but you just all this stuff, just like getting out, like, and it's not even that the referees aren't seeing it. They're just letting it go because they don't want to decide the game. Well, guess what, guys? When you don't make the calls, you're deciding the game again because it's, you know, they, they think it's always one or the other. It's like, no, it's both. Like if you if you call everything, both, you know, everybody's going to be mad and they're going to be like, oh, we can't get any flow in the game. Well, yeah, quit being shitheads, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like. If, but if you decide to let everything go and you're just making a prison rules, same deal. It's the same thing. And you know what? That kind of that kind of play puts it right in the aisle's hands. Same thing with my, you know, in Montreal. Habs people are cr- screaming bloody murder about how bad the officiating is in that series. They're up. <laughs> they're yeah. leading that series. They're went away, and they're st- and like they had Chris Lee down by name. They're just like Jesus, this guy again. Urgh, get him out of there. And I'm like, you guys are winning. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And then Chris Lee's the guy in the work of the game last night on the island. So it's like, you know, maybe now that Tim Peel's gone, Chris Lee's the new Tim Peel. I don't know. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how that plays out. But this is this, this is a problem from on high with the NHL. And you know what? It's the same people leading the officiating and in charge of stuff that was 20 years ago. You know, they, they see no issue with this. Like they're, it's the it's this old mentality that it gets in the NHL's way all the time because they want it. They kind of want it to be like the seventies and eighties, but then they're, they're very begrudgingly being dragged into modern times where it's like, no, you need entertainment. It has to be an entertaining game. And these slog fests where it's just, you know, there's no action and everything is, you know, scr- you know, post whistle scrums and things like that. Man, like tired of that. Give me goals. Give me skill. Like get, that's, awesome. yeah, you know, but that's the thing, too, and, and we'll get into the gameplay here real quick, too, Joe. I mean, that's the other thing, too. The game is it's getting a little frustrating to watch, too. A lot of the game is to the outside, you know. Mm-hmm. You got a guy like Barzell, let's just take this again. The guy's, you know, always, he's doing 360s and stuff. You know, it, the, yeah. the defenseman on the on the bolts here, you get put into a situation, right, where, like, the the, the, the most violent infractions aren't being called. And then mm-hmm. the defense are in a situation where they're they're afraid to touch guys. They're trying. They're afraid to hit guys, especially mm-hmm. coming in down the line because they're afraid to take penalties. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you get a guy like Barzell and a couple of these other guys who can kind of spin around and get away, you know, do their thing and everything like that because, you know, they're not. It's just, it's got to be so hard to be a defenseman in this league right now. <laughs> yeah, and that that's what always makes me laugh when people get upset that you know an eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old defenseman doesn't get it right, you know, quote unquote, don't get it right away. Like, geez, you know, why is this kid so bad? Well, you try to contain these guys, you know, you try to contain a Barzal when he's one of the fastest skaters in the league. You try to contain a Kucherov who's got a lightning blast, you know, pardon the pun. He's got a lightning blast of a shot. You try to, you try to do something to wrangle Ovechkin. You try to, you try to contain Matthews or Crosby or McDavid. Good friggin' luck. Like this is the, the elite of elite talent. 
in the league, and it's impossible to contain him unless, unless you just let all the rules go out the window and you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and then it, then it be, then it becomes ice. wow, geez, this is an easy game now. Throw some beer cans when Barzell's. You know what? <laughs> that's what the Tampa Bay fans should do. And Barzell's coming down the right side, the left side. Just throw some beer cans at him. Seems to be just okay. throw just throw a frozen marg at him. You know, keep it keep it Tampa style. You know. All right, Joe, real quick, um, what's the obvious stuff here the Bolts got to do here or the Isles? Who do you think takes this thing? Uh, where does this go? I, you know, I <laughs> game seven, you got, you got to throw everything out the window. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a one it's a one game, you know, Rochambeau for, for the spot in the final. I, I got to like Tampa because they're at home. But if Kucherov's not playing, like I don't know who you who you're bringing in the lineup to try to to buoy the you know to, to 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 balance things out. I don't know how you shift those lines around because I mean it's very clear. That, I mean, you it's, know, it's hard to hear anybody say that when you got Steve Stamkos in that lineup. Yeah, but you know, Stamkos 100 percent healthy. I don't know. I don't know if he is. I mean, listen, you know, nobody's going to feel bad for Tampa if they lose. They're going to be like, ah, you know, they won it last year. Oh, fine, okay, but like, you lose that way. That's that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. That's a real hard pill to swallow. But they got home ice. I think yeah, they got home ice. So you you get a little bit of an advantage there. You know, they got the fan the fans there are nuts. You know, they're they're barring Islanders fans from even getting in the lower bowl. So, you know, that's a whole other thing. Well, especially but. now because they're going to be afraid to sell them any beer. <laughs> Listen, guys, if you want beers, you got to drink them outside. Okay, that's that's just how it's going to have to be. But uh, yeah, you know, I I don't know. Uh, it's game seven situation. I mean, there's no way the refs are going to be bullied into calling more penalties in a game seven. Hell no, that ain't happening. So if Tampa can get the power play figured out somehow against the Islanders, Islanders PK has been they outstanding. They got to score even strength, man. They got to. They have well, yeah, they, they, they have carry to. that juice they had in the third period there in uh, game uh, four, and then it carried over into the eight nothing win in game five. And they've got to they got to find that again. You know yeah. they've got. I still think Vasilevsky. He's the best goaltender in the world. Mm-hmm. I think the you know the defensive core for the Tampa Bay is still solid. Mm-hmm. You know the Islanders got to work really really hard to get in there and get anything on Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but they've got to they've got to pour it on, man. They've got to win that game in the first period. They got to put two or three spots up on the Isles. They have yeah. to. Yeah, they got to score first, no matter what. I yeah. think like, yeah. you got to you got to get the Isles to break out of their, the way mm-hmm. that they like to play. They're very system that, you know, and if they get a lead they're they're going to sit on it without, without actively sitting on it. At least not until the third period, but like, they're going to make it absolute hell for you to get anywhere on the ice. They're going to forecheck you to death. And if you get past that, they're going to beat you in center ice. They're going to, they're going to trap you there. And if you get past that, and if you have to throw it into the corner to, to, to chase it out, the deer are already going to be on their, on their wheels to get back and get it. So you got to be hauling. You, you got to like, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to get anything going against that team because they just play it so well. And yeah, so get, get on the board first, get two in the first period, make the aisles have to play outside of their outside of the way they want to play. It's not that they can't play that way. They can, yeah. they've done it. They've done it all playoffs, but if you get them out of that, that shell, that's how you're going to win. That's how Tampa's going to be able to do it. But you have to score first. You cannot let you cannot let the Isles get on the board first. It's going to be interesting. You want to make a call here on the game? Who comes out? I got I I got to stick with the home ice. I mean, each team's one on one on the road. 
but I, I mean, everybody, everything else has been holding, holding court at home. So uh, I got to, I got to pick Tampa. I'm not even going to bother picking a score. Gotcha. Probably going to be two to one. <laughs> two to one's probably Ooh. the likely score, but um, but I got to think Tampa's got to come away with it. I, I mean, listen, this is this is still a grudge match based on what happened last year too. So yeah, this is uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of history going on with this right now, but I think Tampa takes it. All right. I'm not confident in that call, though. Let's put it that way. I know. I know. I'm with you, pal. All right. Let's uh, real quick uh, run down here on what do you think. Uh, have you have you enjoyed this Habs uh, night series? You got to love what the Habs are doing one way or the other. It, doesn't, it just doesn't matter. Just the fact that they're one win away tonight from going to the Stanley Cup Finals with the season they had. You, you know, you backtrack to firing Claude Julian, all the different mm-hmm. problems. You know, playing up in the North Division with, you know, your quote-unquote favorites, the Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers. You know, they had to travel back and forth. All the Canadian teams were the only division where they got to, you know, go east-west in terms of travel. All mm-hmm. different kinds of uh, ups and downs with this team this year. And here they are with the young kids, and they're, and they're doing it. I mean, just to be up 3-2, if, if, if the Knights were to come back even to win this, it would be heartbreaking. But, man, I just think for the uh, the franchise alone uh, going forward, this is great for them. Um, but uh, get your take on, on this series. Yeah, it's it's been impressive, and you know, you, you didn't mention the most important part for the Habs is Carey Price. Oh yeah, uh, Carey Price has just been outstanding. I feel ashamed. And... I have to go to the box and feel ashamed now. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's Price just owning it back there, and again, that's a lot of credit to the Habs. Habs Habs played boring. <laughs> they they play they play about as exciting quote unquote exciting a style as the Isles do, and that's you know, hey, listen. If it keeps price in the game and it keeps him on top of everything, I get it. I totally understand. But I tell you what, when it comes to Vegas, they got to be seeing the ghosts of what happened to them last year, like staring them right in the face because they because they get so frustrated early. Like they, you know, if they get down early, they, they sometimes they just look like, all right, man, let's give up. Like they don't give up, but they stop trying to get to the middle of the ice to get in front of the net to try to make you know make things to be a pain in the ass for for price to do anything they just stop everything goes from the outside you know they're shooting from the half wall shooting from out high and they got nobody in front because they don't because the guys don't want to work at it and uh, you know this is exactly what beat them last year where like the offense dried up it was like well what happened i was like well all the shots are coming from the outside they're not getting any second chance opportunities and they're not getting in front of the freaking net so this is this is what's happened to them the last couple the last couple of losses where they're just like okay that's it I guess, but Montreal's you know Montreal's doing their part to keep them in that spot but man oh man if you're Vegas you just gotta you just gotta go balls out you gotta you gotta get in front of the net you gotta get in Price's kitchen you gotta make him make him uncomfortable so that he's just you know I mean he's come up with some you know unbelievable saves in front, but man when you only when Price only has to know that he's only got one guy to his left or his right that he's just got to kick out on makes it a little easier. I mean, the saves are still incredible. Don't get me wrong. But when you know the guys there, you're like, well, if that pass is coming across, I just got to slide, slide to my post or get my leg out, do whatever. When you know they're there, that's fine. If there's multiple people there, then you don't know. And you've got to, you got to, you got to be a little bit more mindful. You just can't, you know, flash out and just be like, okay, I got this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think if I was a Vegas fan, a I'd be super satisfied because I'm a fan of an expansion team that keeps making it deep in the playoffs every year. <laughs> but also, I'd be so frustrated because 
they make it this far and then it just stops. Like they, they're, the cut, their cup final year was the one year where it didn't stop. You know, Caps were just a way better team that year. But every other year, at some point, they just are just like, all right, I guess that's it. And it just it just stops. And it's kind of makes them kind of makes them look a little weak. Like we've seen these t- these types of teams in years past in the playoffs. San Jose was one of those teams where it was like at some point they're going to stop. Like it's just going to not work for them and they're just going to stop. San Jose was one of those teams. Now Vegas, if they don't come back in this, you got to start bringing up that question. Now the difference is, is that Vegas's owner doesn't, you know, he, he won't sit around and be like, well, I like this core. We'll stick with it again next year. He'll make some kind of move. He'll make an adjustment. Because, you know, entertainment ticket is the big thing in Vegas. you got to be the most entertaining thing in the city to make money. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Thankfully for them, they are. <laughs> yeah. But no. like, but if you keep coming up short in the playoffs, like, yeah, it's exciting. The whole season, you get that going. But the playoffs, you gotta, you got to win the playoffs, man. And, like, just coming up short in the, in the semis every year, like, that's, that's – yeah, you can't be doing that. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think uh, if Vegas gets knocked out here, the offseason is going to be very interesting for them, especially going forward. I mean, all these, all the franchises in the league here going forward after after the COVID season, the, um, you know, the, the fifty you know, fifty six game season, the, the summer tournament last year, and, and now we're looking forward to getting back to a normal season uh, going forward. It's going to be very interesting, and, and I think you're right. Ownership uh, teams in terms of look, I mean, just look what the Rangers did. I mean, it's just uh, the, the, the cast will be there. The other thing too is 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 DeBoer, this, the DeBoer factor. You know, you could look at Laviolette too. Um, I mean, Lavs won obviously with uh, Carolina, but uh, he's a guy who's gotten you know a couple of teams to the finals and can't get it over the hump. DeBoer's going to be another guy here. Jersey, San Jose, and man, if if the Knights get knocked out here, I mean, it ain't over yet. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens, but it, it'll be very interesting in Vegas uh, going forward. Last thing, Joe, before I let you go, well, I got to ask you who who you who do you think you think uh, the Habs knock this out tonight? I'm sorry, I I think so. I, I I don't I don't see that fight back from Vegas to do it. And I think Montreal's got all the confidence in the world right now, and they believe in Price. If they if the Habs drop this tonight at home and it's like it's a big like festival day in Montreal, like all, all the stars are aligned for Montreal to win this like 11 to nothing t- yeah, <laughs> yeah. tonight. But if they drop this one, they're in a they could be in a world of problems going back to Vegas. Yeah, they'll be pumped out in the Sin City. No doubt about it. And uh, your take here on Dave Haxtell getting the job with the Kraken, baby. You know, what a weird pick. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> what a weird <laughs> choice this is because you know listen you know i know hack from going back to his days at north dakota he was a hell of a college coach just just an outstanding college coach his time in philly though wasn't that impressed with like with 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 how the flyers played with how they did anything and like his kind of the way the way he handles himself with dealing with the media he he looks down his nose at everybody like he's like he's the smartest guy in the room and he's gonna let you know about it Uh which could be tough. Yeah, could be that's got to be a tough way to run a room. Now, maybe you know, listen, not everybody can be judged based on their on their first job. Like that's fine. Maybe he's learned a lot. You know, being on the bench with the with the Leafs, maybe some things have changed there. But I don't know, man. Like <laughs> you had you had a whole a whole bunch of other choices to bring in, and they seemed like it seemed like Rick Tockett was going to be the guy. It really seemed like Tockett was going to be the guy, and now it's Hackstall. So I I don't know. Maybe this is the kind of situation you need him in, where it's a whole new team, whole yeah, you know, a whole new jitters. group, everything. I thought the Kraken were doing a great job until that hire today. I'm like, <laughs> Everybody needs to pick up once in a while. I was just about to buy a hat and a shirt. Nah, I don't think so now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I just yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird pick. It's a very weird pick considering everybody else that's out there. It certainly is. Joey, the best man. Have a super week and stay healthy. We'll uh, we'll see what's going on next week after things wrap up with these two games. Uh, but uh, just uh, stay cool, stay super, and thanks for giving me your time as always here in THS. Yeah, you got it, Paulie. Thanks for the fun. You got it. And Joe Yarden dropping it like cross checks in the NHL. And THS rolls out. All right, it's time to go out to the great city of Chicago and bring in the one and only Mr. Tad Bamford. See how things are going out in Chi-Town. The ice rinks are closed, but we got hockey to talk about nonetheless. What's up, pal? How are you today? It is a gorgeous Thursday with the prospect of two knockout games in the next uh, short while here. So very exciting times for hockey, even if... The Chicago Blackhawks are not doing much other than making announcements about their broadcast team that sent most of Chicago into some type of depression yesterday. Yeah, what, what's what's that all about? You want to start there? What's what's going on in Chicago? Why, why would they make those kind of changes? I don't get it. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, so for those who Fill are outside of the Chicago bubble, uh, yesterday the Chicago Blackhawks announced that the 21-22 season would be the finale for Hall of Famer Pat Foley on the mic here in Chicago. Uh, he's been on the mic for 39 years, uh, spent a little bit of time in, in the middle of it uh, handling duties for the Chicago Wolves, uh, but was brought back uh, when the Blackhawks put games back on television to uh, bring his beautiful voice back to uh, bringing Blackhawks games to the masses. Um, look, his contract expires after the next year, after 39 years. You know, you could see how retirement wouldn't necessarily be that far away. But, uh, but in the last couple seasons with the pandemic in the middle, uh, Foley has been increasingly critical of roster construction, play on the ice, uh, things of that nature. And he had some specifically pointed words to share at the end of this past season. Uh, so even though John McDonough and the Iron Fist is no longer part of the Blackhawks organization, uh, I think when you marry uh, Foley's openness about questions regarding the roster and the fact that after 39 years he has one left on the deal uh it isn't a terribly enormous surprise it's disappointing but um you know it's uh it's unfortunate the good news is we'll have a full season to say goodbye Mm -hmm. uh as fans you know he has been the voice if you're 40 years old he's really the only voice that you've known for blackhawks games uh you know, at least over the recent last you know decade or so, from a television perspective, uh, and you think back all the way back to the '80s with some of the iconic, you know, ways that he has called the game from uh, Murray Bannerman's last name, a way that he really got excited when Steve Larmer would rip off a slapper. Uh, you know, Niemi says no. You know, Crawford. Um, <laughs> You know, if you go on YouTube, obviously his uh, he's had a few rants that have gone viral. 
several over the years. There was a chuckle fest where he and then uh, broadcast booth partner Dale Talon lost their collective marbles over a wee knee joke. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere 40 years ago and became, you know, the replacement for Lloyd Pettit that the Blackhawks needed. And so, uh, you know, tough news to hear. But, again, we'll have a year to say goodbye, which is good because there have been others, Corey Crawford, Brent Seabrook, Andrew Shaw, who have kind of quietly rode off into the sunset from the dynasty years, uh, you know, especially with, you know, Seabrook and Shaw announcing that they wouldn't be able to play again because of injuries uh, with nobody in the stands to say thank you. I'm sure that they'll do something with a full barn during the coming season. Crawford, you know, obviously getting unceremoniously uninvited back and then spending a few days in training camp with the Devils before calling it a career. Um, but Foley, it sounds like, is going to spend part of the season, not the entire season, in the booth grooming his successor. So now the big question is who replaces him on the mic for the Blackhawks. And then the other thing that has kind of quietly been untalked about in Chicago is with Pat Foley moving on. The other reality is that uh, the television rights in in the United States are changing in the coming season. It's not going to be NBC anymore. It's going to be the Disney collection of ABC, ESPN, and Turner. And Eddie Olchek is making the move to Turner. So whether or not Olchek could be the lead voice for Turner and also do Blackhawks games on the local NBC affiliate, you know, is something that's interesting as well. So lots of names will be thrown around. Um, You know, I have gone out on Twitter and said Steven Nelson, a Chicago guy, young dude who I've known for years. Uh, who does a really good job both on the NHL network and the MLB network right now, who's got some experience doing the play-by-play during the pandemic. I think he'd be a great fit. I think he's a guy that could come in and be a long-term fit. John Weidman is amazing on the Blackhawks radio call. Um, So there are some names that will be bandied about. But, uh, again, you know, Hall of Famer with one year left, uh, Pat Foley will no longer – after the coming season, be the man on the mic for the Chicago Blackhawks. And, Tab, let me ask you, when you say Pat's critical, has been critical of the team, has this been on air or has it primarily been off air? On air. Okay. Uh, during the season finale, you know, as, as the clock wound down, he was pretty critical. Uh, and that's not something that the Blackhawks have always been comfortable with. Uh, and so – uh, you know, especially when, when McDonough was there, but obviously they ran him out the door during the pandemic. So uh, lots of change coming to Chicago. There may be more changes if you've paid attention to this disgusting lawsuit that's currently pending uh, over some decade-old sexual assault allegations yeah, regarding yeah. a former employee and some high-level folks, including Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac, have been named as... Being aware of the situation back in 2010 uh, and the organization, you know, has in some of the police reports that TSN has put out, they're not been cooperative with police as they've looked at matters with this individual in Michigan. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of upheaval right now with the Blackhawks and a lot of pressure. And, you know, without having a real legitimate playoff berth in a number of years here, we're not going to count, you know, them being the obligatory team to send Connor McDavid to the golf course early in the bubble. Uh, but uh, but after a few disappointing years, 
you know, some drafts that certainly we've talked about during this season have not played out well for the Blackhawks over the past six years. They've got some young pieces, no doubt, that are affecting the NHL roster now, but some trades haven't worked out well. Uh, the drafts have not really restocked the system with as high level of talent as they probably need to get back to the top of the heap here. Uh, it's These are interesting days in Chicago, and as we look about a month out to the draft, um, there's a lot that needs to be done in a lot of regards, and so the TV booth may be uh, you know, a secondary concern, and the, the marketing department worry about that because the hockey ops has a lot to deal with right now. No doubt about it. All right, Tab. Um, let's talk about these series that are going on right now. we got a Game 7 coming up between Tampa and the Islanders, and the Canadians tonight can obviously punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup final. Um, I had to um, wade through some beer cans here on my front of my house here on Long Island uh, to get to my truck today. But um, <laughs> what, what? Coors Light making a celebrity guest appearance on the driveway, Polly. Unbelievable. Um, wow. Uh, we got a game seven. You know, you can uh, you, you talk about the other night, and I saw a couple of guys say this in hockey, you know, on Twitter and the media, and it's, you know, I was talking to Joe about it earlier, too. Like I said, I think it was a great point. No matter what you lose 8 nothing or one nothing, you still had game six. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the Bolts lose uh, Kucherov there early and everything else, and uh, it, it unfolds the way it does. But let's let's get your take on on the series and and the, and the game last night, and your outlook on on what probably may or may not happen in Game Seven. Well, I think the biggest question going into Game Seven is the health of Nikita Kucherov because that was, he took he took a nasty cross check and didn't come back. Obviously, everyone in the NHL outside of Tampa has been very quick to point out how far the Lightning are over the theoretical cap with Kucherov not skating for a second during the regular season and now of 20, having 27 points and 17 playoff games. It's kind of nice to have an MVP come back and play at an MVP level when you don't have to worry about paying him and affording the rest of your roster. And Stamkos is doing his thing, too, and he dealt with some injuries this year as well, but if there are two guys in that series that I can't take my eyes off of, and we we talked about them before the playoffs started, Braden Point's been majestic. I mean, 14 mm-hmm. goals in 17 games is ridiculous. And even with the numbers Kucherov is putting up, you know, if, if I'm picking a consummate right now, it's probably Braden Point. The other dude is a guy that I told you I wanted to see him take that next step to superstar status at a national, international, league-wide level. And he has, and that's Matthew Barzell. I mean, that shift that he had to start the third period last night was fantastic. You almost went as far as to say he was a ball hog. but um, You almost want to check the guy. uh, Maybe put hands on him. I don't know. It looked like they spent all their time putting hands on each other. Seems to be legal. Well, they they spent enough time putting hands on each other after the horn blew to end the second period. I think that there was a little bit of a get a feel for what we're doing, what the officials are going to throw at us here, but... Barzell's been fantastic. Um, you know, point has been overwhelming. Uh, but you look at the at the point leaders for these playoffs, and you know why Tampa's in the position that they're in the top five point producers in the entire postseason yeah. are all wearing Tampa Bay Lightning sweaters right now. Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Kalorn, and Hedman have all been terrific. So, um, you know, you got to go down to William Carlson and Tyler Toffoli, who have as many points as Barzell, 14 in these playoffs. 
to find somebody from the other side of the playoffs making a dent. Bovillier, that he's got 13 points in that game winner. The excitement was great until the trash started flying on the ice. Uh, Josh Bailey's been really good too. So, you know, I think you, I've said this to you in the past on air, off air. We've joked about it, but I just I didn't see any way that the the New York Islanders would lose what could be the last game at the Coliseum. And depending on how Game Seven plays out, they didn't. And that's I I believe with the oldest barn in the league, that's the way that it should be. They went out with a dramatic overtime win against a team that on paper is much better than them. They played a Barry Trotz game, and they got the win in overtime, and the fans were thrilled, and then the crap started to fly, which was really unfortunate. It was a bad look for the Islanders. Um, and I think the players, the way that they acted as the stuff started flying, showed that they weren't happy with what was coming down from the stands. But, uh, but that series has been worth the price of admission. The, you said you know that eight that eight nothing game the Islanders didn't show up and Tampa stomped on them pretty hard early and never took their foot off the gas. But you know it's interesting because Vasilevsky's never won a game seven, and Varlamov is one and three in game sevens. So something's got to give here, uh, and we'll see in Tampa, you know which team and two really good coaches, but which team shows up from uh, from the jump and which team gives you a full sixty minutes because. Eight nothing's the aberration. It, it's not the normal in this series, and I think you'll get another close physical game. But it'll be interesting to see how guys like Maroon and Martin and Clutterbuck handle their business in a game seven, because obviously every penalty is going to matter. And this has been a really edgy physical series. Uh, will they be willing to go the extra couple feet and you know make the extra physical play? at the potential detriment of their team, especially the Islanders with how potent Tampa's power play has been. Will they be able and willing to play as physical as they have through six games, knowing that this is a winner take all and a power play goal could change the entire dynamic. So Tab, let me hit you on, on this one here too. And I was talking to Joe about, it. I'm going to bring it up with Costin and Steve as well. Um, the officiating itself, and I'm not, Look, calls are calls. It is what it is. It plays out. you got to put the puck in the net. But, you know, uh, and even joking around about Barzell, and I've joked around on the show about, you know, guys like McDavid through the, the regular season. Nobody touches these guys. These guys never get hit. Um, if, you, if you watch certain aspects of the game last night, and especially defensively, and a lot of the game is played to the outside, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and only because of the mistake in overtime did uh, Bavilio get that goal, you know, on the inside, uh, you know, out in front of uh, Vasilevsky last night. Which, but by I the way, it, great job by him picking that puck off. And then oh, yeah. Well, the way, I mean, look. The shot was, that he put on net was fantastic. But you're right. Like, bad, it's always bad a mistake. Pass, bad pass attempt, and he capitalized, and yeah. now we get a game seven. And that's it. You, you got you to finish. That's ultimately the bottom line here in hockey. You get your chances. You got to finish. You don't finish, you're going to come out on the other side of things. But defensively, I find it, you know, watching these guys, it looks like it's incredibly hard to play de- defense in this league because, especially now in the playoffs, you don't know what's going to get called. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the, 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 the cross-checking. That's, you can see a lot of the uh, after stuff. You can see a lot of the stuff away from the ice that isn't called necessarily. And then you get inside as a defenseman there in, in terms of how you play. And you, you can't sometimes, you can't, it's almost like it's very hard to play physical on the inside. Uh, of the game there. And again, I also look at that offensively. I don't know why teams don't take advantage of that. Run through the middle. Run through the center. 
you know, take a chance on what's going on there. Um, I just wanted to get your take, um, you know, just on the – it's been a big, unfortunate part of these playoffs in all the series, in all the rounds. And the officiating seems to make a uh, – you know, make, make the headlines a lot. And it, it flips on both sides. You know, there was uh, – you know, the, the Bruins complaining about it so much in their series against the Islanders. And then early in this series, the Islanders were outraged about what was going on, uh, you know, with Tampa. Now it's flipping back and forth. You know what's going on in uh, the Vegas and, and Canadian series too. So just get your real overview on, on the officiating and how much you think it's making an impact on the series and on the games. I mean, this is an annual gripe, Paul. And it's something that I don't know how we fix. I mean, the officials can't see everything. But it feels like a lot of the time they don't see as much as they could or should or do. You know, last night there was a moment where, you know, you had a scrap in front of the net and Clutterbuck is wailing on guys. And Coleman comes in, fourth man in, I think it was. The officials in the fray breaking guys up. Coleman grabs him and throws a couple sucker punches. And Clutterbuck's the only guy that ends up getting, getting a seat. And everybody saw it. Everybody on the ice saw it. Clutterbuck had every right to be livid. Um, you know, the broadcast actually came back from break and showed you Coleman throwing a couple haymakers while the officials holding the guy. Um, it, it annually, I think in the playoffs, we have this problem where stuff that isn't called as tightly in the regular season is you see more penalties. Where and when the officials decide to um, settle things down, if you will, get the, mm-hmm. get the soft penalty to let the guys know that it, they're not going to have it. Um, and they're not, they haven't been consistent either. You know, if, if you're going to settle guys down and you're not going to take soft cross checking in the first period, you can't have Kucherov getting whacked like he did with no whistle there. Um, you know, and they're, they're just, they're, they're big penalties that get called, you know, Barzell obviously got the showers. Um, you know, his 19 penalty minutes feels a lot bigger than it actually has been in these playoffs, but you know what they, who they decide to, to hand out significant penalties to when, um, you know, and obviously we've talked about it on this show also, you know, player safety has not done its job of cleaning up after the fact either. And so I think you're compounding the on ice officiating problem with a lack of faith that you're going to get anything out of player safety other than a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think all four teams that are in it right now and other teams that have been in it have every right to be concerned. You know, I think there, there are different folks out on Twitter who have uh, and other blogs that have gone out and done the homework and looked at how many non-calls some of the superstars are having to put up with, specifically Connor McDavid. I mean, he gets his tail whipped on the regular and there's no answer to the bell. I think, you know, if you saw Jim Benning's comments in Vancouver earlier this morning about the fact that their blue line needs to be bigger and stronger. There are teams that have some smaller superstars that are trying to figure out how to protect their guys. And a lot of it is because stuff doesn't get called. And so, you know, it, it, we talk about this with baseball too. You know, Paulie and I talk a lot of baseball as well. And with umpires, with officials, you can't see everything. Um, sometimes the human element becomes a crutch for just doing a mediocre job. Uh, and it's unfortunate because we're watching, you know, four teams playing for everything right now. And you want the games to be called fairly and squarely. 
And I think there there's way too many areas where fans of four teams and fans of the game as a whole can complain about the officials uh, when we should be excited about what's going on on the ice. So it's a tough spot. Um, and I don't know what the league can do to clean it up because it, this isn't some like post-pandemic revelation that the officials are suddenly not doing as good a job. This has happened for years. It's probably going to keep happening. Um, but maybe maybe we need to just start doing a more concerted effort to in, interject new blood into the officiating ranks so we've got different voices making the calls. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's a problem, and the league obviously has to be aware of it because everybody's talking about it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, so let, let me get your take here. What do you think uh, the Bolts need to do to get back to the dance and or the Islanders to return to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 84-85? Well, you talk about the way that the game is played on the outside, and I think that's because Barry Trotz and John Cooper force it to be that way. You had two really good coaches. I've, I've been all over the Barry Trotz bandwagon for weeks on this show. Uh, he forces you to work from the outside and it's really hard to bring the puck up the middle against either one of these teams. So you're seeing a lot of dump, a lot of chase um, and teams that are trying to cycle, but it's hard because these teams are really well coached. I mean, you look at some of the names that are really starting to come to the forefront in these playoffs and, you know, you don't have to do a whole lot uh, or say a whole lot that hasn't already been said about, the job that Victor Hedman is doing uh, or has done over the past few years. This guy is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Uh, there's really no question that he is an alpha on the blue line, but Cernak hasn't been anything to shake a stick at in these playoffs. Dobson's been really good for the Islanders. Pulak, Pelak, you know, figure out which one you want to talk about. The big story in the last game for the Islanders was Scott Mayfield, who's really stepped his game up in these playoffs. I think his plus 12 is kind of a surprising number on the blue line for the Islanders. And Nick Letty's obviously got high-level experience coming from Chicago. Mm -hmm. So you've got guys on both of these teams that are elevating their game on the blue line, and they're good. They are really, really good, and they're incredibly well coached. So you can't take anything away from what they've got out there. It's just you're going to have to work your butt off to get a goal. And neither one of these goaltenders has given up anything easy except for the whole 8 nothing debacle. Um, but you could argue that Barlamov was playing by himself in the first period of that one. He did not get much help at all. So, I mean, you've got, you've got a really good mix of physical and, and puck moving on both of these rosters. So I don't think it's going to be easy to get the puck into the position to score. But when you look at just the firepower that Tampa has, I think that they need to rely on their skill, find opportunities to get the, the puck to an open guy. And when you shoot, you got to be on. Uh, you got you got to hit the mark. And the way that Tampa's been able to be on the mark in these playoffs, it's hard to bet against them. But again, these Islanders have not quit. And Barry Trotz won't let them. So I think you're going to get a game, you know, an all-time game seven out of these two because you've got a rock in a hard place. Uh, you've got the immovable object and you've got the firepower from Tampa. So I'm looking forward to it. And there, Charles Barkley said it. There's nothing in sports better than a game seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we're going to get at least one of them. So that's exciting. Uh, and these two teams, again, they don't like each other. This is the second year in a row they've been in a, in a mm -hmm. conference final. 
situation this year. We're obviously we're calling them semifinals, but two Eastern Conference teams, obviously it feels like the Eastern Conference final is going to be decided in Tampa Bay. So I love a game seven. You should love a game seven if you love hockey and you've got two teams that hate each other going at it. So it's everything that you sign up for as a hockey fan. Well, Tab, who are you taking? Who are you taking? Who's winning? Who's winning the game? I'm going to go Islanders 3-2 to two oh, in overtime. Oh, my God. And I'm going to go Nick Letty with this. I'm going to go on the record with Nick Letty with the OTGWG. Oh. Off the board. <sighs> Hold on. I'm going out to my front porch, and I'm throwing a beer can at your house. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke them if you got them, kids. I'm, I'm, I think Barry Trotz gets another run at the final here. I just, oh, I man. think, I think the, I think the Islanders, they, they gave up their eight nothing game. They crapped the bed once. You're not going to see it again. The cleanup and, crew, the cleanup crew at the Coliseum right now is getting married. Oh, <laughs> oh they are not here for another series. But oh, look, man. I, you know, I think. This Islanders team has felt like a team of destiny for a couple weeks now, and yeah. just the way that they they're getting young guys like Dobson to to bring contributions to the ice, the way that Barzell and others have elevated their game up front, I just think that the sandpaper that they wore on them with in Game Six is going to be the same formula that they bring in Game Seven, and I think Tampa it, the, again the whole Kucherov injury cloud of whether or not he plays could change everything. If there's no Kucherov, I feel a hell of a lot better about picking the Islanders. Yeah. But uh, but I just hey, feel like... The, the Bolts are a retired team too, man. They played a lot of lot of hockey in a short yeah. amount of time here when you think about it. But they theoretically have some fresh legs, you know, going back to the whole salary cap issue of guys missing a big chunk of the regular season. So everyone in these playoffs is going to be tired. It's been a long grind. It's been a tough season with bubbles and, you know, travel, you know, lockdowns and whether or not you can actually get a meal on the road and stuff like that. So the good news is that Game 7 in Tampa will be in front of a full barn, so we'll be able to have a loud arena ready to go. Um, that should motivate the Bolts because, you know, as we talked about all year, they didn't when they won the Stanley Cup, it was in a bubble. And they waited until they had butts in the seats to even put the banner up. So um, they should be motivated to win a big game in front of their home fans. The fans should be motivated to get the team rolling with a lot of noise. But uh, I just my my love affair with Barry Trotz is is showing right now because I just feel like that Islanders team is so well coached and they they're so hard to play against that they are just going to lock it down in front of the net and make it damn near impossible for Tampa to get a good look. Um, and that's where mistakes happen, and that's where a team that has pretty good speed and some guys that are playing really well right now, like Beauvillier, uh, you know, you're going to have some... I think Barzell will be a marked man, but there are other guys on that team that you can't take for granted, and you know, you're going to have big opportunities for somebody to etch their name in the annals of NHL history with a big Game 7 game-winning uh, goal to send a team to a Stanley Cup final. So we'll see if the Islanders can match uh, the excitement and intensity of a defending champion on home ice. It, it's everything that you want as a fan. I I can't wait for a Game 7. Yeah, it's going to be super stuff. All right, let's swing over to uh, Vegas and Montreal. Uh, your take here on, the seas, uh, on this series. Habs, obviously, with just an unbelievable opportunity to punch 
a ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals, first time since 93. Uh, they've gotten yeah. close a couple of times, conference finals against my Rangers, obviously, a couple of seasons there and here and there and back and forth. But um, uh, just a remarkable, I was saying to Joe, too, no matter what happens here, if, if Vegas somehow can win tonight, bring it back home to that crowd and that arena and, uh, and, and find a way, which they definitely, it's potentially there. But, man, uh, Montreal Canadiens have been some story this year. I, I, I love them. I love everything about them. And uh, I'd love to see them do it tonight in Montreal and, and, and wrap this up. Uh, I don't know what how that reflects on the Vegas Knights uh, franchise, the team, Coach DeBoer. This is another turn for him, getting close, you know, Jersey with San Jose and and now getting this close again with a with a with a, a very a team that, like I said, on paper too, that probably should beat the Montreal Canadiens and, and maybe the Habs. You know, like I said before, this um, whole playoff starts. Maybe they don't even, uh, you know, not even considered even being here. But look, they sure as hell have earned their spot here. They're an exciting, fun team to watch in terms of the guys that are contributing. Uh, but I'll throw it back to you, Tab, and get your take here on this series. I mean, look, obviously, all of Canada is desperate for somebody to even have a crack at it at this point. So. The idea that Montreal is this close, they'll have the entire country on their back. Now, they won't have a full barn, but they'll have the entire country on their back. I think, for me, um, you have players who come along every once in a while who are ordained as the second coming of whomever you want to call it. And in Montreal, Carey Price... The second he was drafted, was ordained the n- new Patrick Watt. Yeah, and he's had a marvelous career, but he hasn't had a whole lot of support around him, and he's never really had a chance at the at the big ticket item that's missing on his resume. And he's got a chance here, and he's got some guys in front of him that are actually playing really, really well. So, uh, again, this is uh, this Montreal team. I think is is playing a really strong shutdown style of hockey. You don't have anybody out there with, you know, a 12-goal playoff performance. You know, the Tyler Toffoli, who's got, you know, championship experience, obviously, in L.A., um, is their leading scorer, but he's under a point a game. Uh, he's right there with William Carlson at 14 points thus far. Um, but for me, the guy in Montreal who's really opened eyes is Nick Suzuki. That, that kid is playing terrific hockey right now. I think he's adding, adding some, you know, explosive offense to a Montreal team that I, I think a lot of people, uh, especially in the U.S., that didn't get to see a lot of Canadian teams this year take for granted offensively. I think that most people assume that they're going to try and beat you one to nothing, but that team's got a lot more to bring to the table than a one to nothing game. And Suzuki's a guy who's really done a really nice job of elevating the offense. And then the other dude that you just, again, guys that you can't take your eyes off of when they're on the ice, Cole Caulfield. Like, yeah. what the hell did he not play to start the playoffs for? Exactly. This dude's a revelation. Uh, and eight points in 16 games, or 14 games, rather. You know, this is a guy that just makes stuff happen. He reminds me he in Chicago. playing, man. I mean, I love seeing yeah. that in a young kid, too, man. He just He's just so damn happy to be there. He reminds me in Chicago, and, you know, maybe the size is a component here, but you know, you watch him play, and you can't help but think of Alex Debrinkit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a dude that just he he finds every inch of open ice that he can, and just exploits it and maximizes it. His vision is exceptional. Uh, you know, he sees the game at such a high level. You wonder how the hell he f- fell as far as he did in the draft. But 
you know, this is a guy that has really been an offensive catalyst for Montreal. Uh, and the way that they've played since putting him on the ice has been a lot of fun to watch. And he's a guy that's really making uh, an impact and a difference for them offensively. So, uh, you know, Vegas obviously has firepower, uh, you know, with the guys they got Marcia So and Riley Smith. Alex Tuck has had a really strong playoffs. Nicholas, I'll, I'll call him Nicholas Roy, just so that we don't confuse <laughs> our Roys and Waz in Montreal, mm-hmm. um, has been really good as well. You know, he's been clutch also. So, you know, again, this is a series where you've got a team that has a, a bunch of scrappers and a team that on paper has a, a lot more firepower. And it's the scrappy team that it, in this scenario, Montreal, that has the opportunity to win it in six on their home ice. So, you know, we will see who uh, who grabs the bull by the horns here uh, and who can get it done. Maybe old man Eric Stahl's got one more magic act. Hey, you got to love how Stolzy and, and, and Perry are playing here too, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, just, old, the, old, the old men are doing the job. Yeah. It's been uh, – and, you know, Stahl has been such a guy for so long that Seeing him now in a secondary role, Perry obviously has an MVP trophy at home, but these guys have come in and accepted uh, a secondary role uh, and have played it exceptionally well. And not every old horse can learn new tricks, and not every old dog that's been a lead guy for a lot of years can can happily play on a bottom six role. And those two guys have done it. And let's not discount the experience those guys have because obviously Cole Caulfield is getting his first taste at it. But when you've got the experience that a Toffoli and a Stahl and a Perry bring to the table, that's a lot because you can talk about the experience of the guy between the pipes in Montreal. But again, this is uncharted territory for him. You know, Carey Price has been close, but I don't think he's had the horses in front of him that he does now. Shea Weber, too. If we forget Shea Weber exists, that's a huge mistake because he'll take our kneecaps off with a howitzer from the line. But, (laughs) uh, I mean, this Montreal team, again, I I said the Islanders have felt like a team of destiny. Montreal, even more. Yeah. And playing on home ice, even if they don't have a full barn, it's hard to imagine that they're not going to lock it down and get it done. But Vegas is going to have a lot to say in that. And Vegas obviously has plenty of guys who can put the puck in the net. And I'll be blunt. Mark Stone's been too quiet for too long. And if somebody's going to jump off the page for Vegas here and extend game seven, my, I'm circling Mark Stone's name on the sheet. He's got to be a guy. And he was a guy early in the playoffs, but he's been quiet here for too long for me. And I think he's ready to break out and have a big game. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but it'll be a lot of fun to see what, what Montreal looks like outside of the building uh, and all of Canada looks like if they can get a team back in the Stanley Cup final in what feels like the first time in 70 years. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. And uh, look, you know, if you stand back, uh, you know, old timer like me too. I mean, you, you have a Montreal Islanders Stanley Cup finals would just be Throwback. ridiculous. It would started just be, on a Thursday. Ugh, it would just it's be old school, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it would be old school. Uh, you know, and then you, you, you kind of take everything, the the new league, the, the expansion, the just the rules, the officiating, you know, all that, all the ups and downs of this season, whatever. And then if you get, you know, an original six team there playing, you know, a team which is trying to, you know, 
bring back, you know, Stanley Cup to to the the history. You know, I'm a Ranger fan, obviously, growing out here on the island in, in New York and everything else and stuff like that. And it does it pains me, you know. But I get it. I'm with you too. I respect Trotz and everything else and Lamarillo. And you know, if they if they do end up going ahead and winning the cup here, it won't hurt as much because to me, like I said, it's 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 been it's an organization that's been run. Very well, especially in the last few years, even with Decky coming in there. And I used to work with the Islanders uh, a few years back uh, when the place was empty and before Tavares got there. And uh, to see them turn this franchise around and obviously the new arena and stuff like that. So, yeah, Team of Destiny stuff, Montreal, it would be something else special. But that's not to take anything away from the Bolts. Like I said, they can do it. And um, Vegas, like I said, could um, they have they have it in them, within them, to uh, to punch this to a seventh game too. So real quick, uh, Tab, who do you who do you what do you, what do you think happens tonight? Do you think Montreal finishes this thing, or what? I I do think Montreal finishes it, uh, and I will. You know, I was pretty bold going specifically a three two overtime final uh, in Game Seven favoring the Islanders. I'll go on the record here and say three one Montreal tonight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give the game winning goal. And people will slay me for this because, obviously, in Chicago, uh, with the Blackhawks ties, I went with Nick Letty for the OTD GWG. I'm going to give you another former Blackhawk for the game-winning goal in Montreal tonight, Philip Deneau. <laughs> the, the the Dale Weiss-Thomas Fleischman trade from hell uh. that makes Blackhawks fans want to go find some bourbon in White Castle and make the a Chicago bunch of bad love. decisions. Uh, I'm going to say Philip Deneau with the game-winning goal. I'm going to go 3-1 final. Uh, Carey Price gets to play in a Stanley Cup final. All right. I like it, man. I've been saying you see my hashtag out there. I like these Habs, so I'm all for it. I'd like to see him just punch it and do it. And Unfortunately, I like uh, Pete DeBoer as a coach, but, man, you know he's another guy too, man. Like I said, I was telling uh, Joe too, Devils, San Jose, this team too getting close and not, not getting over the hump is just something else. But like I said – Game's got to be played. We'll see what happens. Uh, Tab, on your way out the door, uh, the Seattle Kraken, this exciting new franchise, this blistering new colorful team, new arena, uh, just the, the whole excitement of this franchise coming in, being the 32nd franchise coming in this season, and they hire Dave Haxtall as their head coach. Love it. Oh, love come it. on. Love it. Why? You know why I love it? Because you've got a brand new team that could have gone out and thrown a King's Ransom at Gerard Gallant. They didn't. They could have gone with the obligatory guy that everybody expects in Rick Tockett. They didn't. They shocked the world and went out and got Dave Hextall, who, um, you know, the first of all, the fact that an expansion team already has their crap together enough that they can keep their head coaching search that down low was awesome. The fact that all the insiders out there, obviously Bob McKenzie's retired. He probably knew six six months ago, but the thought that they can keep it this quiet is kind of exciting, kind of intriguing. Puts a little more more smoke and mirrors around what exactly they're going to do in the expansion draft. Um, But here's the other thing. Obviously, his tenure at North Dakota was the thing of legend. Seven frozen fours. Uh, eight-time finalist for the National Coach of the Year in college. Didn't work out very well in Philly, but let's just be real. How many coaches have worked out really well in Philly in the last 20 years? Um, <laughs> but uh, but he's, you know, this is a guy who's worked with great coaches like Cooper and Gallant, 
uh, in international play, working with Canada. Um, he's a guy that has NHL head coaching experience. And when you look at, you know, the he, he got a taste of the high-level pressure as an assistant coach with Toronto. But this is a dude who, again, completely off the board hire. They kept it quiet, uh, which it, for me, the obviously the ability to keep the intrigue there and go completely off the board and shock the world was awesome. Um, but when you look at the pipeline that he's had come through North Dakota, this is a guy who knows how to develop talent. And, uh, you know, he's, He's a guy that he's a little bit of a unicorn. You know, not many coaches have gone straight from the NCAA to being a head coach in the NHL. And when when Philly brought him in, it surprised a lot of people. And I think now him getting a second crack at an NHL head coaching job surprises people too. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, but uh, you know, what excites me I think most about it is again, there's a lot of questions all over the league about what the heck is going to go on with this expansion draft with where the cap is at and teams looking to shed bad payroll teams that if we're honest got put over a barrel by Vegas which is why they're now playing to try and get to a second cup final again I don't think teams are going to be as ready willing and able to stockpile an an expansion team with high caliber guys as they were the last time around just for the sake of saving some money but there are going to be some good players out there that could give them a pretty good roster. But the fact that they kept it this cloak and dagger, you know, going into hiring their head coach and, and kind of blew everybody away with who they went with makes me even more intrigued by what's going to happen with the expansion draft. So I'm here for it. You know, I think he's a guy that you see in every sport that sometimes the first job doesn't go as well as you'd like. And the second job becomes where a guy really finds his, you know, the, the tires hit the pavement a little bit quicker and, and have a little bit more traction. So uh, kudos to the Seattle Kraken for keeping it quiet. And I'm excited to see what Dave Haxtall does with whatever the roster is that they put together. We'll see if uh, we'll see if Seattle targets any of his former uh, student athletes at, at UND. Also, there's quite a few out there. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what uh, what that ends up doing for him. But. Certainly uh, a surprise this morning and one that a lot of people are still trying to wrap their head around, but I'm yeah, here like for this it. this guy here on Long Island still wrapping Su- his head around it. Surprise <laughs> me, shock me. Hey, the Islanders should be thrilled that they didn't lose any of their assistant coaches to this one. We talked about that last time. Um, I, you know, Barry's going to keep his staff together, at least for now, until uh, Mr. Hackstall starts putting his coaching staff together. Maybe the Blackhawks could trade Jeremy Calton out there for an eighth-round draft pick. Um, but, but if Barry uh, wins, he's out of here. You know that he wins a cup and he runs, gets out. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm sure that there'd be a line around the block to hire him, especially where Hexall used to be in Philly. Yeah, but yeah, I, I love it. I love it. I'm here for I'm here for intrigue. I'm here for excitement. <laughs> no, and I'm he was here such for... a Dave Hextall fan, man. Well, we've got we've got. Uh, it's not even as much. I, I like Hextall. I think he's he's a good dude. I, I like that he's getting a second chance, but. For me, it's really more about the fact that we're so saturated with insiders knowing everything and the lack of surprise <laughs> when things happen that the new team was able to keep everybody in the dark on this is awesome. I love it. So uh, good luck to Dave Hextall in Seattle. Good luck building, building a team from scratch. And I think, you know, the big thing here, again, it didn't work out well in Philly. I joke that it hasn't worked out well for many coaches in Philly over the last 20-plus years. 
But this is a guy who's going to be able to go in and really now have a lot of input in what the roster construction looks like from scratch. And that's interesting. We'll see what happens, pal. But I'm going on my front porch. I'm throwing a beer can at your house. <laughs> Two? Have, at least have one of them have something left because I could use some <laughs> afternoon libations, brother. Tab, you're the best as always. Appreciate your time. Good stuff. Have a great weekend. And we'll catch up next week and we'll see uh, who's going to the dance, brother. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Let's go game seven. All right. Tab Bamford, everybody. And THS rolls on. Well, all right, it's that time to head up to the great city of Montreal. I think they're already partying the streets now. It's going to be gonna be a mess there tomorrow if they win tonight. Unbelievable. Well, look, there's no better guy to talk about it than Mr. Costa Papalias. Buddy, welcome back to THS. How's it going up there? It's absolutely bonkers up here, Paulie. People are dancing in the street like you're talking about. They're bandwagon jump in they're singing drunk not knowing what in the world's going on and if the Habs win tonight's game uh yeah uh shades of new year's eve in new york that's what it's gonna look like downtown buddy hashtag i like these Habs, buddy i would love to be up there one way or the other i know we're getting ahead of it a little bit they haven't sealed the deal yet but man it's got to be unbelievable uh just to be on the brink of uh, punching punching a ticket to the stanley cup finals um you know, it, this has been a great ride. Uh, I was talking to Joe and uh, Tab earlier and, and just talking about the Habs, too. I mean, look, uh, I, I feel good, confident about this group getting there. Um, I think, you know, just winning the last game to me was, was huge. And, um, you know, everything that they've done, I mean, even now with Ducham, uh and Richardson coming in, I mean, you, you couldn't make this story up for a movie. But, um, you know, fill us in here, brother. This ride, uh, we weren't here last week. We wanted to let the series breathe a little bit. But you got to be proud of these boys, man, and, and it's got to be just unbelievably exciting up there in Montreal to think that you guys might be going back to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1993. It, it is, man. Looking up and down this roster, man, it's absolutely bonkers. You know, you've got, you're getting contributions from everybody, whether it's the Vets, you know, with Eric Stahl scoring last game, or whether it's, you know, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Jesperi Kakanyemi. You've got guys on the back end like Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber playing like they did when they were rookies. I mean... Everybody's bought in, and whether it's Ducharme that's behind the bench, and we all know we want Dom back as quick as possible because none of this is possible without his coaching. Let's just put that straight out there. But, you know, you got Luke Richardson back there. People forget he's got four years' experience in the AHL coaching the Binghamton Senators when he was with the Senators organization. So you don't have any schlub back there running running the show. So, I mean, yeah, it's the second year in a row the Canadians haven't had their bench boss behind the bench, but this time around, it looks like they were better prepared for it. They're playing a better style of game for it. And man, oh man, the proof is right there. They've gotten past any type of issue as far as officiating is concerned. And we will certainly get to that talk. But man, it's it's just fun. I mean, it brings me back 20 plus years, man, when, when, when things were absolutely bonkers in 93. I'm just loving it. Yeah, I mean that team back in '93, though. I mean, just the the star power that's on it. You have a, you have a lot of guys here, uh, all the young guys that you just mentioned. Uh, you know, just contributing. It's been an exciting ride because I think that's been more than anything. It's been an unexpected ride here. But if you could put a thumbtack on the the day Claude Julian gets fired and that lineup, that roster where this franchise is, and we talked about it all season long, and then you take that line and you go 
boom, here you are. Game six tonight with a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Talk about the, the mix-up of the roster, because you can talk about Deshaun May coming in here. You can talk about Richardson and the great job he's been doing here. But ultimately, it's this team. It's this lineup. It's this core of players. It's the young guys. It's also Perry and Stalzy. It's Carey Price, man, um, getting to uh, to finally play on the stage. And, and I, I, I really do. No disrespect to the Knights and the Knights fans, but... You know, I would love to see the Habs get in here and, and, and for not only a guy like Carey Price, but for this crew, this team, they've, they've earned it, man. They've worked their asses off. But that line, I mean, from Claude Julien to Game 6 tonight, man, talk about maybe one or two of the big changes or or anything, anything that you can give us with that wide gap. How did they get here tonight? The one thing that I complained about nonstop all season long, Paul, was the fact that under Claude Julien, the Canadian's idea of clearing the zone was to chip off the glass and get it out. And that's not what they're doing anymore. A lot of what they're doing is in the middle of the ice. They're clogging the neutral zone so that any opponent that they play doesn't have room to generate any speed going up, attacking their own defensive zone. But by and large, the Canadians are coming out the middle the same way. They're getting the puck through the middle. They're not chipping it out. They're maintaining possession as they cross the blue line. They're waiting for their linemates to come in. And it's more puck possession than it is dump and chase. And that's where the big difference lies. Claude Julien, you know, if he had a bigger team, you know, like he did in Boston, the dump and chase might work. But at the end of the day, if you look at that 2011 team that won the Cup and you look at the Canadians right now, the big difference between the two is size, number one, and number two, speed. Sure, you had a couple of guys on that 2011 Boston team that Julien coached that were fast, but you had bigger guys up front, guys that could throw the body and and shift their weight around and really wreak havoc against the opposition's defense. You know, Montreal's got big defense, so other teams can't do that to us, but we're doing it to everybody else. The fact that we're attacking with speed, you've got lines like you were talking about, the old men and and, and Perry Stahl and, jeez, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Can you believe that one? No, Stahl, Perry, and, and Carey back there, you know, I mean. Yeah, I, and they're going back there. They're chipping the puck in deep. They're hammering the defense, right? And then they're bringing the puck out to the net front and trying to get scoring chances, and they've been successful. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a variance in the way this team plays, and it's based on each individual line. It's not a wholesale system, right, where you, you've got coaches that, oh, yeah, my system is this. you got to forecheck this way and this. Well, if you've got a guy that doesn't have speed that you're asking to forecheck, you're never going to get ahead. So that's where the variance is between where Julien coaches and where Ducharme coaches. Ducharme coaches on a trio-based level. Julien was throughout the team, so you never had that, you know, every line – has their own particular uh, their own particular role and their own particular style of play. You watch them, man. It's completely different line by line by line. You know, whether you're looking at Deneau, who's killing, you know, like shutting down the, the opposition's best lines, or whether you're looking at the kids in, in, in Suzuki and, and Caulfield, they're all playing a different brand. Sure, it's based on one simple philosophy, right? Get in deep, get the pucks in, try to kick them back to the point, kick it into the slot, get scoring chances. But they're all doing it in different ways. And the coach allowing them to do that, that is where the difference lies between whether you're talking about Julien, Michel Therrien, or any other coach that's been in the Montreal Canadiens organization over the past 15 years. It's always been the same thing. It's my way or the highway. Right now, Ducharme, because of the fact that he didn't have any practice time with this team after he took the reins, he allowed his lines to dictate how they play, and that's why he's having so much success. Yeah, and I I wonder if... 
I wonder if guys, you know, those young kids here and, and just kind of, they're, they're, I mean, Caulfield too. I mean, they, they just they just look so damn happy just to be there. Uh, and do show, I wonder, you know, a guy like, you know, old guy like me, not as old as me, but a guy who's watched this game in and out, um, you know, you wonder if that's maybe benefited this team against the way the, the teams they played so far uh, in the first two rounds to even get here and, and maybe why they're causing so much havoc against a guy like DeBoer and, and the Knights too is that they're just kind of, they're just doing it differently? Is it that different? Paul, I, if there's one word that's just going to describe what the Canadians are doing right now that no other team in the playoffs currently can say. The Canadians are having fun. They're not out there worried about what their coach is going to say or how their coach is going to deal with different situations if they make a mistake on the ice. Because God knows the Habs have made mistakes as this series has gone along as well, right? And, you know, whether it's coughing up the puck or giving up a late goal or whatever the case is. They've made mistakes, but they've been able to live with those mistakes and move forward. Whereas before, you know, guys got pinned to the bench. Guys were too worried about holding their sticks too tight. They're out there having fun. And that's the whole reason why guys get into the game in the first place. Hockey is supposed to be a fun sport. It can't be clamped down. You know what I mean? It's it's like you know riding the wave. You don't know where the wave's going to take you, but it's fun to do it. And that's exactly what's going on right now with these Habs. You look at Caulfield and Suzuki, and you know even the older guys and Perry, and you know you look at Anderson. What the one consistent that you see on the bench is everybody smiling. You can't say that when they were playing under Julien. They all look like they were pissed off. Not anymore. They're one game away from the Stanley Cup final, and not because they haven't worked hard. And not because they haven't done what they were asked, but because they're having fun. It's a huge difference, man. Yeah, and the other thing I'm noticing, too, if you look at the time on ice, too, everybody's getting to play. I mean, Stalzy and Perry's time is a little down lower than the older guys or whatever, and Gustafson, yeah, there, too. But you look across the board, man, it's all hands on deck. I mean, that's the other thing, too, about this team. Uh, everybody's getting to play. I also got to get your take here on uh, Shea Weber here. Uh, you know, obviously you go back to the P.K. Subban trade and the ups and downs of uh, his his time here. And, you know, and, and the other guy I want to ask in tandem with this is obviously Carey getting a chance now to possibly go to the Stanley Cup Finals and Shea Weber in front of him. Talk about, um, you know, Shea's contributions now, uh, you know, being a leader on this team. And also, Carrie, uh, maybe talk about me playing behind the guys that are in front of him with Shea leading the way. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Shea Weber. And, you know, in passing, you could also mention Jeff Petrie because they both have one thing in common. They're playing with gimpy hands <laughs> and they're playing at this level. Could you imagine if they were actually healthy and Shea Weber could actually drop a 105-mile-an-hour bomb from the point occasionally? The, 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 this team would be almost unstoppable. Yeah. You know, Jeff Petrie can't even shoot. He's throwing these wrist shots on net, and we know that Petrie's got a good, solid shot. You know, they're all throwing these little cherries towards the net, and they're looking for rebounds, and the Canadians are getting the rebounds. And so when you're talking about Shea Weber and his leadership, it's not so much that he has to get in there and lead. God knows he can. But the bottom line is is that each and every one of those guys has each other's back on the ice. And that's the key, man. You know, again, it comes down to the having fun. If these guys didn't like each other, yeah. you wouldn't see what's going on right now. You know, and that's happened with a lot of teams that have success. You know, you look at take, take, for example, Vegas. Can you tell me without a shadow of a doubt that these guys actually like each other? You can't tell, mm -hmm. you know, you just can't. Whereas with the Canadians, they exude it. I don't know what it is. I can't I can't put my finger on it, man, but they all love each other. You look at what Tyler Toffoli says about Gold Caulfield and the fact that those guys, you know, before they have their morning coffee, Caulfield's jumping around ready to go for the game, you know, in the morning. I mean, you know, and and that's and he says he says it himself. That's the reason why they got into the game. His youthful exuberance 
It's got everybody going. And again, it comes down to having fun. And all the guys are having fun. They look at the kid, they laugh at him, and they enjoy it. And they want more of it. And so they work at it, and they get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. And there's a, there's another team here on Long Island that's kind of similar in that aspect in terms of a lot of young guys. Oh, yeah. A lot of guys having a lot of fun, uh, riding a lot of energy. Obviously, the fan base here, I mean, things opening up down here, uh, that's made just a massive, huge difference. They, The fan base here on Long Island definitely made a difference against in the Bruins series, and they're definitely making the series a difference here as far as uh, uh, with Tampa Bay. You've got those experienced, talented guys in, in both Vegas and Tampa. Obviously, a lot of miles on the ice skates here in the last few years with deep playoff runs and everything else. But I think you make a huge point. I think attitude... Um, coming to the rink, riding high, nothing to lose. But now you're in the driver's seat here tonight. Let's, let's just talk about this real quick, and maybe I'll just get your take on, obviously, the officiating, unfortunately, uh, in, in all the series since the playoffs started has, has made too many headlines as far as I'm concerned. But just real quick, what will this mean uh, to the city of Montreal, and, and what will this mean to you as, as a fan, as a lifelong you know, childhood fan of this franchise if, if they can get into uh, the Stanley Cup Finals tonight? Well, Paul, it's funny you should say it that way. I got two daughters, right? One's 21, the other, one, the other one's 18. You know, they're, when they were kids, they'd always used to ask me what it was like when the Canadians won the Stanley Cup and, you know, what was the city like and this and that. But I wanted to live it. And that's what that means to this city. This city had this, 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 this you know, I, I, I'd say you could call it its own program of excellence, right? where every year they were competing for the Stanley Cup. And then lo and behold, the year 2000 rolls around and you got the Canadians missing the playoffs year after year and not being able to get out of the first round. And so you had this fan base chomping at the bit for success. And the less success they had, the more angry they got. Because by and large, I mean, you can say this about different cities as well, but Montreal's got one of the most knowledgeable fan bases on the planet when it comes to the game of hockey. And so... They know that you know if 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 a GM makes a bad deal, they know. If a G, if a coach makes a bad decision on the ice, they know, and and that's what gets them angry, you know. And that's why coaches like Claude Julien and and, and Michel Ternier they end up going out the door because after a certain period of time, when you regurgitate the same old, same old, same old, this city picks up on it and they're tired of it. They want to see different. They want to see competitive. They want to see fun. And whether the Canadians get into the Cup final or not or whether the canadians get into the final and win the whole damn thing i'll tell you what man nobody in the city is going to complain about this run because it's been fun from beginning to end and the funnest part about it is the fact that nobody expected the canadians to be here and to be as competitive as they have been and that's the bottom line yeah no it's it's been great to watch and you know we talked about this a couple weeks ago and you know look i'm a rangers fan uh, we go way back, me and you, and, and, you know, you're dead on about, you know, being knowledgeable fan base. I mean, when we, me and you first met many, many years ago on radio and stuff like that, uh, just talking with you and Steve and the rest of the crew and stuff like that, we always loved it. And uh, because, the you know, Montreal and New York, I mean, just a lot of great hockey history together and everything else. And, you know, guys like you that I know and my buddy Liam McGuire and my buddy uh, Swan Dad Curtis out here in, uh, in the States too, huge Habs fans and guys that we've been uh, friends with over the years. Um, and that's why I say it. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm having so much fun. I think I'm having as much fun, even though I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a Rangers fan. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for you guys, and I, I would love to see, I would love to see it happen. Now, 
before we jump any further, I got to ask you one more serious note here as far as Vegas. What what do the Canadians have to watch themselves? I mean, you can get caught in this euphoria. You can get caught. Teams have been here too, man. You lose this game tonight, it gets a little gets a little edgy for you. But So just maybe give me something that the Habs got to really look forward to. They got to look out to do what you've seen from the Knights where that could maybe pull the rug out from everybody tonight. Well, they got to avoid what happened in game in game number four, where you know Vegas came out and peppered Terry Price with forty six shots. You know what I mean? Despite the fact that the Canadians managed to you know blow that one, I mean it, you know you can't let them come out and have that kind of energy against your team. You need to make it subside, and whether it's a big hit or an early goal to get the momentum away from Vegas, that's what you got to do. You got to cut them off at the legs, because if you let this team score the first goal, they're gonna have all kinds of momentum all kinds of like you know belief that they can pull this off and you've seen it you know whether it's the canadians or whether it's vegas or any other team in the playoffs the minute you get behind that eight ball and you're behind by a goal it's detrimental especially when it comes to an elimination game god knows toronto knows it all too well so don't get behind get ahead stay ahead and whatever you do keep the pedal to the metal and the canadians will come out on top that's it's as simple as that that's it, man, right? That's all the Habs have to do, right? Keep it simple, keep the formula going, uh, and keep this ride going as much as uh, they possibly can. So, like I said, it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. So, look, before I get your thoughts real quick on the Islanders and the, and the Lightning before I let you go, the officiating, unfortunately, has been a big part of uh, the playoffs. Um, and I believe you have a Chris Lee and Celine Dion story. What, what do you got for us? Well, number one, I wanted to clear. The, the guy, whoever does Vegas, like, publicity out there, number one, the dumbest thing you could possibly do is put up a picture of Celine Dion wearing a Vegas bucket. Because <laughs> yeah. I think the city of Quebec, of, of Montreal and the province of Quebec absolutely lost their proverbial minds when that happened, right? They yeah. saw it on the score. was like, what is this? She's wearing, she's cheering for Vegas. How could she? Because in 93, when the Canadians lost, won the cup, she and her, her, her late husband, they were in the locker room celebrating with guys like Patrick Waugh. Unbelievable. Now, now, now listen, I've had the... Celine's a friend. I, I like she grew up in a neighborhood where my dad had the only restaurant in town. So her family used to come over every Sunday. And I can tell you this much: there's not a single person in the Dion family that is a, a fan other than of the Montreal Canadiens. Pure and simple. So don't think otherwise. It's not happening. And, and now, as far as the officiating concerned, let me say this: okay, I've never been a big fan of Chris Lee. You know, I've always found that that, that his brand of officiating. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't allow teams to actually, you know, figure out how to game plan. You know, there's no standard set by him and there's no consistency. And so I don't care whether you're the Islanders or whether you're Tampa Bay or whether the Habs or Vegas Golden Knights or whoever the team is in the National Hockey League. If a referee doesn't establish a standard right off the cuff and allow you to understand where the line is drawn between what you can get away with and what you can't get away with, then it affects your forecheck. It affects your player's ability to read and react to plays. It, it affects everything. And the funny part is, is that Montreal and Vegas had the privilege of having that jackass as a referee in games three and four. And it was the same thing in both games. In fact, I watched him, you know, watch uh, Shea Weber get cross-checked in the small of the back, face first into the boards, no call. I watched him watch Shea Weber turn around and belt, I think it was Nosak that did it or whatever, right in the face. And they started hacking at each other with sticks and whatnot. There wasn't a single penalty call made. And then the game after, Nick Suzuki take a punch in the face while he's watching. He turns his head away and then lets the clock run as, as the Canadians are on the power play. And he does like he does this like, you know, like a, a signal to tell the clock, the, the, the clock manager, keep the time running. Stupid. Blow it down. Send both guys to the penalty box. Set a standard. Do something. And that's detrimental to this game. 
I mean, not just the quality of what the guys are doing on the ice, but at the end of the day, we as as hockey fans, right? We expect the game to be free flowing. We want speed. We want all kinds of stuff. And then you have an idiot like Chris Lee throw it all away for his own benefit, right? They ask referees to manage a game, not to control it, right? Where you're giving too many penalties on one side and the other. But then you look and, you know, example with the Canadians, right? Which I can talk to till I'm blue in the face. Every time Chris Lee officiates a game, their winning percentage is 38%. What does that tell you? Yeah. What, what like you know? No referee should have that effect on a given team. I don't care if it's the Habs or anybody else. So the fact and they don't do anything that the league doesn't do anything about this. It that in it of itself sets a standard for the quality of the game that we all love, and that's what pisses me off. Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, when this is all over this season and everything, and we get back to starting to talk about training camp, and we'll see what happens in the off season. But the officiating. The officiating. Uh, across the board, it's just been very frustrating to watch. Um, and I, and I brought this up a couple of shows ago and I was talking with the other guys too. Like I said, I think the NHL has a product problem here and the inconsistency, and it's very hard. And, and I think you bring up a good point too because I've, I've said too, I think even defensively as defensemen, I, I think it's very hard to play in this game because you don't know what's going to get called. You don't know how to play against these guys. And you can see uh, McDavid through the season, skate around everybody and not get touched. You can see Barzell here in the Tampa system. Uh, uh, series with the Islanders and nobody, the guys don't know if they can hit them or not because they don't want to take a penalty or they don't want to hold them up a little bit. So, I mean, it's um, it's tough. And look, you've got numbers there, percentages, and in, in, in terms of your team and everything else. I mean, that's even even bigger picture to look at. But um, again, Costa, that's something that uh, hopefully the league is going to try and figure out. And I don't know if me and you'll get into now. We'll, we'll steer into another forty-five minutes of conversation on this. Whole oh yeah. Thing. So look, buddy, uh, from afar, last thing I got to ask you, you know, this Bolts Islander series, obviously, you know, you guys win tonight. You're playing one of them. We won't go that far there, but uh, just your quick, uh, what do you think happens here as far as uh, Islanders and Bolts here going to game seven? Well, with Kucherov out, and God knows whether or not he's going to be 100% for the next game, you know, he's a big part of the Lightning's offense. So, you know, all the Islanders have to do, and Barry Trotz is no slouch when it comes to coaching a defensive game. All they have to do is shut down the one guy that's been burning every team in the playoffs so far, and that's Braden Point. You know, you can let the guys like Stamkos and whatnot run around and try to get scoring chances, but Point has been burning everybody. You know, nine go- nine, nine con- yeah, goals in consecutive games. I mean, I mean, dude, obviously you stick somebody on him and you shadow him, and like he's done. And then, so you're missing Kucherov, who's by far their best passer, and you've got a shot. And uh, like at the end of the day, it's going to be up to Varley uh, to, to to make sure that he stops the puck and keep the puck out because the eight nothing game was an abomination, right? It's something that happens to yeah. any team at any given time. It just so happened it happened in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, that's not the Islanders that you and I both know. You know the Islanders are going to go into Tampa Bay. They're going to put their best foot forward. And again, it comes down to one very simple thing: if they can make sure that they get that first goal and start to shut it down on Tampa, Tampa's in trouble. Because Tampa notoriously has not been able to come back from in games where they've trailed. And so, you know, the Islanders just need to get a lead, man. And then, you know, keep the pedal down, keep things tightened up through the neutral zone, and Tampa's going to have a hard time catching up and winning that game. All right. Well, we all know who you're picking tonight, but uh, you got a prediction for this Islander-Tampa uh, seven-game series, uh, seventh game? Dude, if anything, I think this seventh game is going to overtime, and oh. the Islanders are going to win it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Ranger fans, worst nightmare. Stop. 
No, dude, come on. It's New York. It doesn't matter if it's Rangers or, or Islanders, dude. The Rangers aren't anywhere near competitive level yet, right? So you got to cheer for somebody out of the New York area. What are you going to do, start cheering for the Devils? Not even worse. That's it. Like I told Joe and Tab, I'm going out on my porch right now, and I'm throwing a beer can at your house, buddy. Yeah, dude, you live in Long Island. Give me a break, okay? Just, you know, come on. You find me an Islander fan that would root for the Rangers right now, and I'll give you a hundred bucks. It ain't happening, pal. Okay, <laughs> go Bolts, go baby. <laughs> look, I, look, look. If it gets there, man. Look, Trotz, Lamarillo, and uh, this organization. It'll be, it'll be amazing. It'll be awesome. But it looks like they're gonna oh, have sure. to run through you. So uh, it'll be tough either way, man. I know you and my brother won't get along too much. It'll be. I, I won't be able to handle that if it's on the See, at, that, at that point you end up getting me and your brother on at the same time and we start shooting it over the over the air that'll be fun oh man too much <laughs> look Costa you're the best man enjoy tonight I hope it goes well for you and the whole city and the fan base it's been an amazing run and I hope next time we talk uh, next week or so we're uh, we're talking about the Habs in the Stanley Cup Finals and again no disrespect to the Knights man you're a friend, you're an expansion team you got lots of years to go so hopefully the Habs can do it but thanks yeah, so much long, brother have- the long the long suffering Knights fans yeah Okay, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, man. Shake up 1993, right. man. Bring it back and enjoy it, all right? Thanks so much as you always. You got it, man. All right. Costa Papalias, ladies and gentlemen, as always. Woo! What a night it's going to be in Montreal if it goes their way. Great stuff as always. And THS, Rosa! All right. It's time to head out to the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. It all depends on where you are. But anyway, we're bringing our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, on from the great city of Los Angeles. Steve-O, welcome back to THS, brother. How are you doing today? Paul, it's good to be back. We had a little uh, week off, but now it's good to be back talking to you again, talking some hockey, and we've had some great, actually, we've had some really awesome games. It's been it's been very surprising and a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I think collectively we all agreed last week. Let's let it breathe a little bit and come back. And and sure enough, uh, man, we got some great storylines uh, all over the place here, as far as from Montreal to Nassau County, Long Island uh, to the great city of Vegas, and uh, down to Tampa, St. Pete as well. So, buddy, I I don't know where to start, but I guess um you know let's 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 talk about this Lightning Islander series here real quick, and then we'll jump up to the. Uh, I guess the half Western Conference final, we'll call it here with the uh, the Knights and, and the Habs. Um, but look, we got a game seven. We're all hockey fans, you know. When our team's not in it, you know, you sit back, you gotta love it. Uh, all the stresses on the fan bases that are involved. Uh, but a quick take, uh, you know, give me give me anything you got here as far as your thoughts. I, I know the, uh, the we've been talking with the other guys too as far as the officiating and and I think that's been a part of it. Unfortunately, making uh, storylines, you know, throughout the whole entire playoffs. But uh, give me your quick take here on on and what you've seen here between the Islanders and and the uh, the Bolts. You know, I thought the first four games it was just two uh really well uh evenly matched teams kind of uh like two two boxers just trading blows back and forth uh really really tight and just kind of one taking a punch giving a punch taking a punch giving a punch and then game five came and it was a complete domination the complete blowout and i and i was i mean i thought that was it i i, I thought you know tampa bay has finally awoken uh they're just gonna you know put put the islanders to bed and uh we're gonna they're gonna sit back and wait to see who's who who they play in the cup final. And then sure enough, we see the Islanders come, you know, like a zombie, just rise from the dead and they're just they they 
they really, I mean, they were, I think what they had given up something like 12 straight goals in the series. And, you know, it really, when, when Sorelli made it two nothing, I thought the series, that was it. But then here come the Islanders pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, and they end up winning it. And that building was insane. And yeah, I, I got to think that Tampa Bay is, uh, is the one on the ropes right now with, uh, with the Islanders ready to, to deliver the death blow. It's just been such a, an interesting and entertaining series just from the overall, um, you know, storylines in the series. I, I know it's been a lot of fun to watch. I, I, I really like what I've seen from the Islanders. They're just a fun team to, uh, to, to get behind, especially since they have so many ex devils on them. Um, but you know, Tampa Bay, I, I, I thought for sure that they were just going to be able to, to put the Islanders to bed. They have just so much, so much talent, but that if they're, if they're without Kucherov, uh, for game seven, I think I think it's gonna be really tough for them to to overcome what the Islanders are doing right now. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that's a big point there. Look, I, when when they lost game one, you know, just seeing what the Islanders fan base being, they're basically the seventh player, uh, you know, with that building and, and everything that's going on here with the uh, the last one of the Coliseum and obviously uh, the fans being back in the building and they, and they are they're making a huge presence. They they definitely helped turn the tide in the Boston series. And when Tampa lost that first game, I was like, you know, that's it. You know, but then Tampa comes and they win game three there, and 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 now it's you know flips around a little bit, and then you know they they dominate, and again eight nothing or one nothing, it doesn't matter. You know, right. we're hockey guys, we talked about two, the other guys too. I mean, it doesn't matter. You still got a game six in the island to show up for it. Obviously, you know Kucherov's a big factor here. He gets taken out in that cross check, and we don't know if he's coming back in game seven. And Vasilevsky, who I think is is the best goaltender in the world, he rarely lets you down. Um, and the Isles found a way to beat them, and obviously the mistake in overtime, there's nothing you can do there, and that's how those games are won. Yeah. You get the mistake here. Uh, I think you're calling it right. I think uh, if Kuchero's not in this game, it's going to be tough, and then it kind of limits things, and, and that's the big thing, too, because it was only until, you know, Stamkos came out of his, uh, you know, his shell there. Well, uh, you know, through the yeah. first four games, he had one point, uh, and right. that's incredible to think a guy like him, and, and we don't know health-wise here and there, but, you know, this is the thing. I think when when... When Tampa is dominating the way they – even when they lost um, that game in the Coliseum when Pulak makes the save there at the end on McDonough, yeah. that third period mm-hmm. they poured it on offensively, and it carried over into the 8 nothing win. And sure enough, yeah, yep. they have a 2 nothing win here uh, leading against the Islanders. But, they, you know, more credit to them. They just kept pushing and pushing. And I think you're right, too. It does bounce back on the bolts here, and they've, they've got to get them early. And they've got to get a couple. They're going to need two to three. They're going to need more than two goals against the Islanders. Yeah, if you if you let the Islanders uh, hang around, they just the Islanders. I mean, you could say that by any of the team about any of the teams left, but for some reason, the Islanders are just a team that. Uh, I mean, until that the final horn sounds, they are not out of the game. They seem to have the ability to come back. They chip away. They turn the tide. They they you know the the physicality that they can uh, that they can use. Uh, they got they roll four lines. Uh, they wear teams down, and then by the end of the game, they're the one that seems to have the upper hand, and and they're pushing the pace. And I mean, that, there was a stretch in the third period where the the Tampa Bay went a while without getting a shot on goal. So, I mean, they Tampa has to come out. They need to feed off their own crowd. They need to get a lead, and then they need to keep pushing the pace. They cannot sit back, or the Islanders are going to take it to them. And uh, man, incredible! I, just uh, you got to give credit to Lamarillo and Trotz and and what they've been able to do with that team, and you know make it to the conference finals back to back years, and and they're just one win away now from from getting to the Stanley Cup final. Just a 
just a, a well-built team. And uh, Tampa Bay is really the one that's that's got to be feeling all the heat right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. Look, I mean, you, you can't take anything away from Tampa. They've got the guys. They've got the experience. And like I said, they've got the net minder. Um, this will be tough for the Islanders to have to kind of duplicate the energy and, and not have their fan base behind them. So, look, these are right. two great coaches, uh, two great teams. Uh, you know, the bottom line is is for guys like Braden Point and uh, Torelli here and, and Stamkos, these guys are just going to have to step up. They're going to have to find a way. Uh, and and that'll be just uh, something to see here. Um, you know, you, you being a Devils guy and, and showing the respect here for Lamorell, and I'm doing the same thing too, being a Rangers guy and with Trotz and everything else. Um, have you have you actually just kind of sat back here a little bit and, and like you know we can we'll, we'll talk about the Habs and Knights here, but to think that the Islanders here, you know, are one game away from 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 getting into the Stanley Cup final, and if you could, there's no way, Steve. I would have ever put down, yeah, Lou Lamorello is going to be the GM and Barry Trotz is going to be the coach of the team that might possibly get them back into the Stanley Cup Finals. No, I mean, I yeah, when I thought when when he left to go to Toronto, when Lamorello left and went to Toronto, I thought that was going to be his last stop. He's going to, you know, lay the, found, uh, the groundwork there for them for a few years and then, you know, retire gracefully and go off into the sunset. But, I mean, he has just come back full force. He... This team, this Islanders team is built. It's very reminiscent of the way the Devils were built in the in the '90s and the early 2000s. Um, the the moves he makes at the deadline and the the players that he he puts into the lineup and having a coach like like Trotz in there to to lead the way uh, feels very much like those Devils teams. It it just shows that that formula is just whatever he 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 puts his hand on. He just seems to to turn it to gold and. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny that the big, the big, uh, you know, trade deadline acquisitions for them have been ex Devils. I mean, last last deadline and and this deadline, they they made moves with the Devils to kind of solidify positions of need for them. And uh, man, the the guy is uh, he's incredible, and Trotz is just an incredible coach. I mean, you know, when they were down two nothing, he did not waver from the game plan. He just continued to roll four lines. If you look at the ice, the uh, ice time for the forwards there, it's all pretty comparable. Um, you would think you'd want to keep some of your scoring guys out there a little bit more, but he just stuck with the game plan and, and played Islanders hockey and uh, Lamarillo hockey and and uh, man, just uh, just incredible, just a lot of fun to watch. Um, and you know, it's I, I got to think that if they can get into the it, get past this round and into the Cup final, that they are going to be a, a tough out for sure. Oh man, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they're throwing beer cans on the ice at the Coliseum last yeah. night. They get into the yep. finals. God only knows what's going to happen out here. Uh, they it's can't crazy. take it. So, all right. So, before we move on to the other series, what's your call here in Game Seven? Who comes out of it? You know, I I've been wrong so many times. <laughs> I just I just have a gut feeling that the Islanders are going to be the team that comes out on top. I just. Well, I, I think, hope your you know, wrong streak continues being a Rangers <laughs> fan. <laughs> the Devils are the last team in the tri-state area to win the cup. I want that to remain intact, but I, I don't know. Just something feels really special about what's happening. I mean, with the Islanders and also with the Canadians, we'll get to that in a minute, but I just got to think that the, the Islanders are, are going to be the one that, you know, I don't know if it's going to go to overtime or it's going to be a one, nothing game, but I, I feel like they they're going to be the one that's going to be uh, celebrating. Uh, after game seven. Yeah, I hate to admit it, but I, I think it's going to go that way too. Uh, 
but yeah. uh, we shall see. We we get to sit back <laughs> and enjoy and watch this uh, one way or the other. I mean, as you know, when your team's not in it, you're not supposed to really be you know bugging about it. But man, yeah. when the, when the team is one of your arch rivals and you're getting that yeah. much closer when the cup, it, uh, it kind of stings a little. All right, Steve. All right, so we got half half a Western Conference final as far as the Vegas yeah. Knights, uh, and they're an expansion team here. We're at four or five seasons in, and there's a familiar guy behind the bench, Pete DeBoer, who we've talked about uh, uh, many times on this show as far as you know, um, getting to the finals with the Devils, getting to the finals with the Sharks, and now he's uh, you know it's it's stacked against the Knights. There's no doubt about it. Um, I know the they won't have a full building tonight in Montreal. Uh, and I was just talking to Costa, too, and this team is playing with a lot of fun, a lot of carefree stuff. They're kind of doing it. I guess what I want to ask you is, is, you know, with regards to DeBoer and the Knights, and there's no doubt they haven't they haven't lost this game yet, but what what yeah. have they got to do? And, and maybe you can tell me something you, you've seen, you know, your familiarity with this roster and, and, and the Western Conference and these guys the last couple of years, and I know DeBoer's only had it for two seasons now, but... What do you see as the problem here or the issue, or, or what do they got to bring to the table tonight to kind of turn this back their way? Because, you know, if they can get it back to Vegas in that crowd, man, you know, they can do this. Well, they were booed off the ice in the last game in, in, in Vegas. So, um, you know, you're saying they haven't lost yet, but it sure feels like they've lost the game already. Um, I think there's a lot riding on the line for Vegas. I think, you know, we've seen that even in the, the few years they've been there, they that, you know, who would have seen Gallant getting fired the way that he was or the, the, the changes that the, they continue to make with the roster. But I think there's a lot riding on this game for them. I think to, it's going to sound crazy, but I think the board's job is riding on this, this game because of the way he's tinkered with the goaltending. And, you know, really what, what I've seen in this series, I've seen Vegas make absolutely other than switching the goalies, make zero adjustments. Um, they're not adjusting to the way that, that Montreal is playing uh, with them. They have, uh, Almost no goals from the forwards are getting their offensive production from the blue line. Um, that's not a, usually a recipe for success. Uh, special teams have been bad. Um, you know, I think they're getting really frustrated. There have been times where they've carried much of the play, but they haven't been able to finish on price. And I, I think similar to the Islanders, if you let the, the, you know, the Canadians hang around long enough, they're, they're a team that can counterpunch and they, they, have uh, made a living or they're making a living in these playoffs off other teams mistakes. And, and once you get, you know, they get going the other direction, a guy like Cole Caulfield and uh, Kakanyemi and Suzuki and these young kids. And then you've got the, you got Perry and, you know, he's just been dynamite They're They're making the other teams pay for their mistakes. And right now Vegas is making more mistakes. And uh, it, it really feels like this is Montreal series to lose. Now I, it's, it's crazy to think about how far they've come and I think they only had five more wins in the regular season than the Devils and here they are just like the story Cinderella story of, of the playoffs and they're just playing such good hockey right now Carey Price has been dynamite the kids have been electric and Vegas is really I mean you know they had a tough time getting past Minnesota um, they didn't match up well against them they matched up better against Colorado who who they were able to take it to and now again another bad matchup for them and they're on the verge of being eliminated so it it's it's so weird. This team's so weird. You think they're built to win, but obviously it looks like they've got some flaws that they still need to address. Yeah, I mean it's it's a trip when you think back that they they that they not they that that they beat Colorado, right? Yeah, I mean, and and that series was just epic. It was unbelievable. I mean, one side you can say yep. I can't I can't believe the Avalanche lost to the Knights, but you know the Knights came through that and they were, you know, I said it here on this show. I said no matter who who the Canadians play. I said the the Knights or the Rado is going to steamroll them. 
because of the that yeah. series and the way they played. And and man, fair play to the Canadians here. And you know, me and Costa were talking about it before. And I'm going to ask you this too, and, and see what your take is. You know, he was talking about how you know the the the, the kids and and Montreal they're having fun playing. They seem to all be getting yeah. along. They're riding this kind of energy. And he said, look across at that other bench in Vegas, oh, yeah. and he says they don't they don't look too happy. They don't look too cohesive together. I think that's an excellent point. I mean, you know, you look at that press conference after and the little little knuckle taps that the Canadian players are giving each other and the smiles. And I think, you know, that those young kids like that, when Cole Caulfield scores that look on his face of pure, like, enjoyment, same thing with Kakimi. I mean, I think that's really contagious. And, and let's be honest, after being down 3-1 and, and playing the way they, they have been playing, Montreal's playing with house money. I mean, they are... Uh, just they're playing loose they're playing they're they're having fun they're playing for each other and a team like like Vegas they, they were a team that was expected to win they were expected to be where they are right now they are expected to be in the Stanley Cup final and when you're not meeting those expectations it becomes not not so much fun to play the game anymore but more like a job and, and work and you're really like you're starting to feel the pressure and you're gripping your stick and you're getting frustrated easily and meanwhile the other team is just kind of feeding off of it as they continue to you know, to take your frustration, ride it to their jubilation. And I think that's what's happening with Montreal. And you, you take a team like, I mean, any team you put just so much pressure on, I think, you know, that might be what kind of what Tampa Bay is going through. They were supposed to, when they went up three, two, they were supposed to just kind of close the series and move on and wait for the other series. And now they're the team that the expectations were, were on them to win. And now they're feeling, they're feeling that pressure too. So man, I, I didn't see it going like this, but you got to give full marks Full marks to Montreal. They have just really, really uh, played excellent playoff hockey in all three rounds that they've been in so far. And um, boy, you can't catch if they if they get past this series. You can. It's going to be hard to pick against them too. You know, I mean, everyone joked in the beginning Islanders Montreal would just be like you know a nightmare ratings nightmare, but it looks like that's the way it's going to be. Dude, you know <laughs> what? Look, and again, I will repeat: I am a New York Rangers fan. I don't yep. care about the ratings. I don't care about anything. Yep. If the Islanders and the Canadians play each other in the finals, it'll be wonderful. I, I, it'll be just because, you know, number it one, really will. Yeah. For, for Montreal, for the opportunity to bring a Stanley Cup back to Canada, which ha- they were the last team to win it, you know, yep. and it, it would be fitting for that franchise to do it, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and the road that they took, beating Toronto, obviously, and then cutting through, uh, you know, Winnipeg there and stuff, and, and then and, and now to to, to – to beat Vegas, the big bad Vegas Knights, who beat the big bad, bad Colorado Avalanche, and then, then on the other yeah. side you have the Islanders, okay, the dynasty team, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the, all the years, everything that this franchise. I've been a witness to it, okay. You've been a witness to it too. Laughing stock, uh, the different ownership, the Coliseum, yeah. back and forth between Barclays. Uh, it's 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 been it's been a nightmare here, and and this franchise is is turning in a different direction. And I think me and you would be. We would be out of line because we've talked about how exciting tri-state area hockey here was going to be here between the Rangers' young team, the Islanders' young team, and the Devils' young team. So, with that said, you want one of these three teams to either go deep or or win the damn thing. And as much as it would it would suck as a Ranger fan to see the Islanders win, <laughs> it's different because there's not a lot of guys that I really don't dislike on this team. I have so much respect for Barry Trotz. I have so much respect for Lou Lamarillo. And as a Long Islander, as a New Yorker, yes, it would be something special. But I'm telling you right now, 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I will I will pump my fist if the Lightning win game seven, all right, because it eliminates that chance for the Islanders to win it. But, um, you know, you, you, you flip this over, and I guess I'll throw it back to you. A Knights-Lightning final? I don't think it has as much juice as a Habs Islanders final. No, you know it. It really doesn't. That when you when you're, when you're thinking about it, no, because it's it's you know it's what everyone expected. But what makes playoffs and even look at the NBA finals right now, what makes it stuff so so exciting is like you know expect the unexpected. You know they have these Cinderella stories and these teams that nobody gave a, sh- a shot to be the ones that are going to come out on top. And uh, you know if it is if it does turn out to be Islanders Canadians, it'll just be it'll be. For somebody who loves hockey as much as we as much as we do, and who appreciates the uh, the sport as much as we do, it just would be a, a a really cool kind of historic moment to be able to see those two teams meet in the ice uh, for a, with a chance to to win the Stanley Cup. So, um, I think for me though, it would be a little bit more bittersweet to see uh, you know the Islanders win and to see guys like Andy Green and Travis Zajac and Carl Palmieri and Corey Schneider and just to, you know, name a few guys, be out there and, and be able to lift the cup and, and not do it in a devil sweater. Yeah. Um, I think I feel good for them, but also like, that's not the way I would have liked to have seen them go out. You know, I think 2012, um, yeah. you know, with Zajac and stuff, I, I don't know. It, it'd be a little bit bittersweet, but you know, I, I would, obviously I feel really good for those guys and for Lou, but, um, that's kind of something I've been thinking about through this whole thing. Do I want to see that happen or, you know, but, uh, we're getting closer. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I get the bittersweet stuff. Uh, it is what it is. Here we are, man, and we're talking about it. It's been a trip. So, look, let me get your prediction. Do you think uh, Montreal punches a ticket tonight or what? Like I said, I'm always wrong, but I, I see, I just see Montreal winning. I, I just think that I guess one of the, you know, even though they have limited fans there, I think they're going to off that. And if they if they jump on them early, they score the first goal and they get a one nothing, two nothing lead, I, I think it's curtains. I think they'll they'll win they'll win tonight. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna be I, I don't think the De, DeBoer if if they if they get knocked out, I mean unfortunately that's uh DeBoer's uh MO, you know. He, he comes in here. It's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, you know, to get he's such a good coach and to have such success but not get over the hump, it's it's so tough. But I think his time will be done there yeah. too as well. I really do. I think that the the thing with the goaltending is is and making no no adjustments in the series. I think are, are going to be his undoing. And I don't know if this ownership has any patience at all for that. For that, they have their expectations are through the roof. So you know, I we might even see some significant roster changes too if they lose, which would be incredible considering the way that the roster is constructed now. So. Could you imagine that, Steve? Breaking up an expansion team <laughs> in the league for four or five years. Oh, we got to break this thing up, man. It's been it's been five years of just frustration. We've got to change things. That's the insanity they of this go, whole thing with the Knights. They go all in for Jack Eichel or something crazy like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I just don't think Jack Eichel's the answer. I think Jack Eichel does not get me excited. I don't want him to come to New York, I, the Rangers. It just doesn't do it. No. I don't get the buzz. I mean, I know one way or the other he's probably got to go for Buffalo's sake, and but I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. Uh, I think that some team is going to overpay for him, and it's going to be a, a huge mistake. So I think Buffalo's going to come out on top on this one. 
All right, last thing before I let you go, a couple of coaching things here. Uh, Draskill gets the job in Seattle, which is, like, to me, boring. Yeah. But uh, it is what it is. And um, Gallant gets the gig here in New York. What's your, what's your take on that? I mean, you got to have uh, Trotsy here one way or the other. I mean, you know, Trotz, if he wins, maybe he leaves and he goes to another team. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Gallant here and, and uh, Lindy and, and Trotz here in in New York, uh, Jersey and Long Island should be uh, pretty interesting. You take on those two quick moves before uh, I let you go. Yeah, really shocked about the Hackstall hiring in Seattle. I mean, I thought all signs pointed to Rick Tockett, so that's a little bit of head scratcher. So, um, I mean, I saw somebody pointing out he had the goatee, so he's trying to fit into that Seattle grunge scene. So <laughs> maybe he he works out well there. So we'll, the only time will tell on that. But I mean, I was, I'm. Oh, this is gonna suck to say this. The hiring of Gallant for the Rangers is incredible. I think it's perfect hiring for them. I think it's going to help push them to another level. Uh, they already are a super talented team. Uh, young, I, I, he's going to he did so much with that young, you know, that first year Vegas team. I think you're going to guys like Lafreniere and Capocacco and and all these other young kids that are on the uh, are, uh, on uh, the Rangers are really going to benefit from from his kind of uh, player friendly like motivation and. I just think it's a really a really good hire for them. I think it's at the right time, and I I, I think Rangers are going to be a team that you know they we've seen them take strides every year, and I think they'll be one of the teams that takes one of the biggest steps come next season. And we'll see. And if they don't, everybody's going to get fired. Don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, fire man. everybody now every season. You get one shot. Well, that's it. <laughs> because it came out of my mouth, it's probably the kiss of death. So I'll apologize now. <laughs> it's all good. And Steve, as always, you're all good, brother. Great to uh, hear you again and talk to you about this. Uh, looking forward to it. We'll get you back here on, on, on the stump here when we find out who's going to the dance. And until then, man, stay safe and healthy and uh, best of the family. And say hi to everybody, as I always ask you, everybody in California. If you don't, I'm going to go out my front stoop. And I'm going to throw a beer can from Long Island at you. <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll do my best. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> all right. Uh, Steve Palumbo, everybody, as always, from the great city of Los Angeles, giving his great take on the series, uh, as well as my teammates, Tab Banford and Costa Papalias and Mr. Joe Yurden. And that's a wrap for this week's edition. We took a week off last week, uh, but, uh, hey, it's all worth it, right? We got two couple of great games here to wrap these uh, final uh, final series up here, and we'll, we'll be talking about the run for the Stanley Cup championship uh, next show. It's going to be something else one way or the other. So, look, have fun in Montreal tonight. Vegas, hang in there. Cross your fingers. Cross everything. And if you can, tune into that Islanders Lightning game on Friday night. It's going to be something else. All right, enjoy it. Thanks, as always, to listen to THS. Follow us and support us. And until then, until next time, keep your head up. Paulie, Joe, Tim, Costa, Steve, THS is out.